Welcome to Did We Name This? We should have crowdsourced it from the beginning. We tried to crowdsource it amongst us three, and it, it <laughs> it's not enough brains, I guess. You to, know what to, they say, three's company, <laughs> uh, or yes. something. Already derivative. <laughs> three's a crowd. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we haven't decided yet on the name for it. This is the first, whatever we name it, we had, you know, there's some obvious things that we are not allowed to say anymore, apparently. Mm. R.I.P. Hassan Piker. All right, yeah. Friend of the show. The Our obvious name, name the obvious name would be the first annual Cracker Awards. <laughs> or the Crackies. Or the Crackers. You said There's, it. You right. not, you no, this is all this there. is all hypothetical. This is all theoretical hypothetical. Yes. For any Twitch Twitch uh, uh officials listening. Mm-hmm. Not that you have right. any not that you have any power here. You don't have jurisdiction. You don't have here, jurisdiction, dude. you motherfuckers. You have no yeah. power here. <laughs> what about instead of Mac and me, it was cracking me and it's just uh me doing drugs. <laughs> That's Patreon, dude. That's Patreon. Oh right, right, sorry. What if it's butt cracking me and it's just me with my butt? I thought oh. I was trying to find a way to do that would be funny if we did like the 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 crack whores, like the Oscars, like the crack whores. Is that crack still crack? <laughs> like, no, like, okay, that's bad too. <laughs> the cracks. I was thinking, cars? like, no, I was just thinking crack whores, like with an A, like the crack whores. Yeah. Paulie crack whores. Um, <laughs> I like that one. That's my vote. It's, yeah. it's so stupid, but I love it. I've got crack whore fever. Hope crack you got car. it too. Uh, well anyway what this is is this is the first fucking annual end of the year spinecrackers awards and celebration celebration right year (laughs) year end roundup year end roundup where we uh hand out some awards for various categories have a few uh uh fun games in between just one, basically, it's really. An, it, yeah, one it's game. an honor just to be nominated. So everyone <laughs> that made it into the roundup, you're all winners in my book. But unfortunately, there can only be five. <laughs> we don't really have uh, we don't really have nominees. We just tell who we think the winner is. <laughs> we just give us so, a top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna but give our. It's a blood our... sport to get there. It's true. 
we how read. many hours of bullshit did we have to speak and read before we could make such a decision? Well, this know? is this is actually an interesting fact because I was going through our uh, Spotify end of the year stats, and I actually have an answer to your question. We recorded this year. Let me pull it up here. I got to scroll through all this other dumb shit. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, well, like time in the landing page and stuff like that. Well, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like Click through ooh, rate. blah 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 blah. Right. No, yeah. Um, but we recorded. Oh, like what time people listen to our podcast? Who cares? Yeah, um, it's a podcast. Yeah, I know. It's like do it whenever. God damn, dude! Stupid oh, no. metric thing. Anyway, I think we recorded something like, yeah, ballpark at the least. Here it is: four thousand eight hundred and seventy minutes of content this year. So, how many hours is that? Let me do. It I right checked here. it. It's Ooh, like okay, all right, one, yeah, uh, mental math. I can't do I it. Can't do it. What is it's it? like it's it's like eighty one, eighty one and a half hours. Okay. So. Good on us. Pretty Damn. good. And some of our episodes that were that we counted for this. So full disclosure, if if we made an episode on this on you since the start of the podcast on a book, it counted for this. It wasn't literally just January first of last year, but starting next year, it will only be from January first because we didn't have a full year. We started the podcast in like November. Yeah. Yes. So that counted. In the grand scheme of things, that's not. It's worthwhile and it's not so bad. I mean, think about how, like, Twitch VODs are, like, they can be, like, 10 hours long. Just people reacting to the news and stuff. Yeah, just react Andes. Yeah. Relative. Are we are we just react Andes but for books? <laughs> That's anyone who <laughs> consumes art or does anything. They're just, you're just a react Andy. Oh, soy. Oh, the Pieta. Oh, you just react Andy to the fucking Sistine Chapel. <laughs> I still think we should make a commentary track of us listening to Moby Dick on audio. Well, I'm going to read Moby Dick next year. <laughs> it's just the audiobook. We're dead silent. Yeah, we're just like, hmm. Maybe we eat something in the middle of it, and that's the only thing. It just sucks. We'd have to. We'd be sitting in like a in a circle together, listening to it in our headphones. Okay, I, but I got I do have to say though, there was some interesting data in our podcast end of the or our podcast podcast Sp- Spotify <laughs> Spotify end of the year data. Yeah. Uh, so Let's you know how data. Let's read every bit of data. Out okay, there. I'm happy to. I'm happy to do that. It's actually like not a ton, to be honest with you. Okay, so we released our first episode on January 1st, which was Yakov Lin's Soul of Wood. Bad book, yeah. uh, which was disappointing. Anyway. That one story is good, but yeah. Yeah, the one's good. But anyway, I don't remember releasing an episode on New Year's, so that's cool that that happened. And though, so here's what I found interesting. We got our first uh, streams in 24 new countries. Guess where our top... This is a fun Spinecrackers trivia question. What were our top five countries? Now, this is not, I don't think, in terms of raw numbers of plays. I think this has to be just based on what I'm seeing as the countries. It has to be based on something like popu- like, like n- amount of people that listen to podcasts on Spotify, some kind of percentage thing or something. Because raw plays is obviously the United States and then like England and, and Australia and stuff. But in terms okay. of like some wh- whatever the whatever the uh, uh, formula they use to determine this 
I think it's got to be some kind of percentage thing or something. What do you guys think? Well, weren't we like the number forty-two podcast in Sweden? We were. That's still uh, on our. Twitter. So I, I'm. I think they're probably still on the list, right? Okay. Is That's that rock guess. solid still? Also, I was going to ask: Are we still forty-two? No, number or have we gone down. I don't. I don't know where we are, but our number one most popular country, Sweden. Sweden. Oh my god! Yeah. That so, is like such an honor, to be honest. So shout outs to our Swedish listeners. You guys slap. Thanks, man. That's like, so st- sick. I love like PewDiePie. <laughs> no, we don't love PewDiePie. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> not true. <laughs> we love meatballs. We love Swedish meatballs. We love right. IKEA. No, we don't. I saw the documentary about IKEA. It's bad. No fuck. Oh IKEA. damn, that's also bad. Yep. Um, but we love Sweden. That makes sense. Yeah. Do they like? Is like English uh, one of those like sort of mandatory language requirements in education over there? Could be. Could be. Yeah, um, it still has to probably correlate to English speakers, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, we don't translate our episodes, so <laughs> <laughs> we should try. That would be wild. <laughs> we would still be on the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, all right, maybe let's... we should read uh, the girl, the dragon tattoo for our Swedish oh, audience. Oh, true. There was, there is, a, there actually was a Swedish. I think it was a Swedish book that I may still put on the list, so I won't spoil it. But anyway. It was the girl who played with fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, take, a, take a stab at number two. All right. Stab in the dark. And you said we can't say stuff like Australia. Not, yeah, none of these are... Uh, actually, none of these are primarily English-speaking countries, as far as I know. Which is fascinating to me. South at, America. It, yep, it is in South America. Okay. Um, are, uh Brazil, Brazil. Big Brazil. Ar- Argentina. You, Argentina. You, you were right oh, first, Marl. Yeah. Where the Nazis yep. are. And then, uh, yeah, exactly. Cool. That's they probably saw Nazi literature in the Americas. Yeah, and they were like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's us, like, baby. Oh, fuck. Uh, we're right, still I'll, here. I'll, I'll just, uh, I, I, won't, I won't belabor <laughs> Third the Third generation in, we're still <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. I won't belabor the data, but the, the rounding out the top five, we have the Netherlands, Spain, and Finland. So shout outs to all of our, apparently all of our listeners in Sweden, Argentina, the Netherlands, That's uh, fucking Spain. Spain. Spain and Finland. Honestly, on a, on a, on a, uh, uh, wholesome, uh, uh, you know, authentic tip. Yeah. It's kind of fucking crazy. Like I, the, the idea that a single person in any of those countries has ever listened to any fucking words that have come out of my mouth is kind of yeah. mind boggling. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Really, I feel like people, you know, are are like because it's easy or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's it's easy to forget that it's we. It's like amazing. yes, yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just because it's like we're, yeah, it is. It really is easy to kind of like, I don't know, gloss over it. But it's like literally, there's people in fucking Argentina and Finland. Tuning into the Don't say it. I'm gonna get podcast. I'm gonna get stage fright and freak out. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid now. I can't. I'm do afraid. It. <laughs> uh, so anyway, shout out to y'all. We love you. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank the, you. The other people that I want to shout out. I don't know who you are, but uh, apparently, 21 people listen to our podcast more than any other podcast out that they listen to. Wow. Which is also nuts to me. Why? Do you know if you have to listen to a certain amount of podcasts? Because it, I don't know. We just listen to, to like one, and it's only podcast, <laughs> which would also be an honor. Even then, that would be sick. 
So shout outs to you, 21 people who listened to the Spinecrackers more than anything else, because that's epic. Yeah. Thank you to our premium C-suite listeners. <laughs> that's you right. Know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Uh, we do have a Patreon also for you people. That Matt and Paul's yeah, that Matt and Paul's New Year's resolution is to post more on. So that's that's my that's res, yes. my New Year's resolution for them. We heard your complaints and we we registered them. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, it, anyway, I just I got a kick out of going through that that Spotify data and uh, it, it it really is. I don't know. It's cra- it sounds cringe, but it's humbling. It's really cool, and it just kind of again puts it puts it all back into a little bit of perspective. Yeah. Who am I to have global reach? That's right. That's right. You know? Seriously. Seriously. But the world's flat now. The internet. Thomas Friedman, etc. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just kidding. All right. On with the show. Uh, So here's the way this is going to work. We're going to get Billy Crystal on in a second. He's going to do an opening Mm -hmm. number. And uh, and then we're going to launch into the first awards. Um, and then uh, halfway through, we're going to have uh, Phoebe Bridgers and Halsey. And uh... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And then the reclusive Bo Burnham's going to perform yes, one for, the, for yes. the closer. Yeah, one joke, just one joke only. Yeah. And Taylor Swift's so going to come on for a new 40 minute song. Yo, <laughs> Yo that would be epic. I feel like Taylor is the type of person, though. Who we could pitch that to. Like, we're a small but active podcast. Just don't tell mm-hmm. anyone. Because she kind of wants to do something like that. You can feel it. You know what I mean? Don't tell anybody. Keep it <laughs> no. low-key. What are you saying? I'm saying I'm saying she has that. She has that. Ins- there's no shot in hell. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Just hear me out. I'm saying okay. she's the type of person. You know, that's like that's like a, a hot thing right now among, among cool artists who don't need the hype. They just drop like a secret track. You know, or they don't tell anybody. Doing, yeah. Are you are you kind of doing something close to like when somebody says, "I feel like, you know, all things aside, Taylor and I could be friends <laughs> in real life." <laughs> I know well, it's a celebrity trying to manifest. Like we could be. We might be. We could be more than friends. I mean, let me tell you something right now. I, if she wanted to date me, I think I would do it. <laughs> Whoa! Paul, another another brave take. From I Paul. wouldn't. I might say no, but I really wouldn't. I would say yes. <laughs> Taylor, we know you're listening. So, and you've heard it. You have an amazing new person you could have a, a bad relationship with, and then write a song about. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's Paul. right. That's right. <laughs> oh my god, I would fucking kill to hear that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just called Paul. It's just called Paul. <laughs> she just does it? She just. <laughs> She's called Baller. <laughs> All right, everyone. So uh, here's what we're gonna do. The big, the big categories for the for the evening is uh, our top five books of the year, right? And we have a bunch of smaller categories that we're gonna do in between. But we're gonna start That's things off. The spine off. of the show. Exactly. You might say the spine. Yeah. So we're gonna yeah. start things off with everybody's number five book of the year. Who wants to go first? All right, Paul. Okay. Okay. All right, fine. I'll go first. Jesus. So my the my fifth favorite book that we read this year was pretty early on. 
it uh, is Bohumil Hrabal's I Served the King of England, um, which was... Oh, uh, my God. Uh, Guess what? That's my number five. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I love a, I love a nice lineup. <laughs> that's Get nuts. a room. <laughs> All right. So... Whatever. You guys know each other. <laughs> we did not plan this Call at you all. later, baby. Yeah, baby. We're, we're, no, yeah, we didn't. I'm around. Um... So uh, we read this pretty early on, and I uh, I had read um, another of Hrabal's novels before, and I really liked it. But this this novel I thought was just a, a, first of all, it was fucking hilarious. I think it's like one of the funniest things that we read all year, if not the funniest. It was politically sensitive, um, and sort of a, a really interesting uh, perspective on. Um, Eastern European history through the eyes of this one character a bunch of like amazing set pieces a bunch of amazing kind of side characters uh, you know interspersed with a lot of like deeply human and authentically emotional moments Um, the ending was the only part where I thought it stumbled a little bit which we talked about on the episode we don't have to go into that Um, there was like one, one scene too many uh, but overall, I thought it was uh, uh, fantastic and hilarious. So that that's my number five for the year. All right, I'll I'll take it. If well, uh, does, should we just have Paul say why he liked it too? Just because he already said what it was. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like the same. I mean, I can just reiterate what you said. Like it was really funny. I think tonally, it was it was very unique for me because I really. I it was one of those books where I just I walked away from it thinking that I really hadn't read anything that like that. Like the tone was really funny but also just like you know very deep in a lot of ways and it just kind of it gripped me it was all over the place but in like a really good way and it was really smart yeah i just it was it was awesome all right all right moral that's it you're number five for the year mine is dirty snow nice yeah nice by by simenon george simenon um, yes, uh, oui. Alors, uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, je, you guys, one, <laughs> one person on YouTube says they like your accents and you just pop off. <laughs> Sorry if I'm trying to play to one person. They count. Uh, yeah, I like it's my number five. I just it's such a perfect little bleak and and like deeply upsetting book and I found it to be emotionally affecting uh, and it just has that you know I mean we've all sung the praises of Simenon but like god damn it just has that like uh, sparse hard emotionally hard hitting like manner of expressing just like the worst in people Mm. Uh, classic Simenon yeah, and and while at the same time being in a, in a again, you know, similarly to Hrabal, you know, World War Two, right? Like sort of period, uh, just describing it instead, but you know, sort of unnamed but assumed Vichy France, and uh, just like the just bleak paranoia, it kind of like had the same vibe as like uh, like Le Samurai or something like a Melville movie, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Like uh, just a cold, shitty Paris. None of the romance around it, and yeah, the title 
is a perfect title as well, I have to say. And, yes. Uh, just a detestable character that you still root for. I'm always appreciative of, of that kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be Dirty Snow. I love that. Um, I love okay. that for you. I love that for you. Okay, uh, next category that we're going to do is... And I, I did move these around a little bit. You guys may have the list up already. I, I didn't move it too much, but I only moved one or two just to make it a little more even. Um, so the next category is the book that from the year that we most want to reread in the future. The book that we most want to revisit for a second time. I'll go first. All right, Paul. Because I'm confident with, uh, uh, of this answer. If that's a clue, uh, a clue. I mean, I if anyone listened to our Ooh, nice. <laughs> of our last episode, uh, "The Confidence Man" by Herman Melville, I definitely want to reread. Maybe take some fucking Adderall or cocaine and read it so I can focus. Because yeah, I mean, you guys both love that book, and I, I just like, like I said, it just went in one ear and right out the fucking other. I just couldn't concentrate on it and. I know I missed out on the good experience, so I just I need to definitely revisit that one. Nice, yeah, and give yeah. it an, an updated score too, because that was my. It was just you know I gave it a three because I just like I didn't even want to give it a score because I just barely read it. So <laughs> you read it, but Gotta you didn't read, read it, again. it as you said. Yes. All right, uh, Marl, you want to go next? You got one. I mean, I I don't want this to be boring by saying that I I actually had the same answer as Paul. Yeah, um, we, we we didn't pre-plan this. Some of us will probably have the same ones. But uh, so I get yeah. So I mean, it's that for similar reasons. Obviously, I had a more like immediately, I guess, positive experience with it. But I also think like you know, even in our discussion, like Gabe, you elaborated on stuff, and it was like, oh shit, right? That's that's actually a super. I didn't think about that um there's so much in that fucking book i guess my secondary just to make it interesting would probably be um miss dalloway again Mm. second place is just the first loser but true so why even say it (laughs) but that's virginia i'm sorry but nah we love you virginia um Okay, that's so. So mine is is different, uh, and I, you know, I did I did try to consciously kind of mix things up a little bit in terms of my. I didn't want ones that were in. This is a spoiler alert, but I didn't uh, want ones that were in my top five to also take too many other awards. Um, but approach. So the, the the one that I most want to reread is uh, Unclay by T. F. Powis. Uh, that was, uh, a really weird fucking book to me and, oh shit, you you got a soundboard? Oh, no, who did that? Paul, is that you? Who did that? Okay, keep it going, keep it going. I'm not <laughs> even going to ask bro. questions, dude. Uh, Gabe, you, by sounding you board, feel I, free I to have pull another one, up. one sound. It's not me, too. it's not me. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so uh, I really enjoyed reading that book. I thought it was um, a fascinating kind of relatively modern allegorical tale, which is a a form that has obviously fallen, like, deeply out of style, like, just, like, hardcore direct kind of allegory. And uh, I had never heard of it before, but we read it before you put it on our our to-read list, Matt. And... uh, 
I just found it fascinating. And that was another book where, similar to The Confidence Man, just in the sense that there's a lot of characters and a lot of, like, small little little moments and set pieces and and things that happen that I feel like I could I could get a lot more out of out of a reread um and uh yeah so for that reason that's that's my that's the book that I most want to reread nice nice pick all right I mean to be honest there's probably like four or five that I would want to reread of course right like if we we were really being honest we could have come up with the top five list for all these categories uh yeah yeah, there's some hair splitting going on for sure, but it still feels good to just say that, you know. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. After all, you know, we we could have done nominees, but uh, we're we're just cutting to the, the the quick of the the winner. Okay, the next category that we're doing is uh, a bit of a fun category: worst cover. Which book did we read this year that had the ugliest and or worst cover? Uh, I think me and Matt are gonna have the same one for this one, actually. You think so? Is it is it fucking Exit West? Oh no, it's not actually. Okay, never mind. So go ahead, Matt. Fucking, I fucking, I fucking hate it. I hate it. I hate. I hate the. I said this on the show. That's yes. It. It's the only time I've commented on the look of a book. Ever. That's actually not uh, true, and I I'm gonna call you out on that in a second. What was? I'll tell okay. you when I give my answer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I bet I'll agree with the other one, but Exit West. And it's just uh, ah, fuck. It's just got that I, I I contemporary. I guess I could say I don't know. I I, I have the classic classic like, New York Times bestseller cover. I don't know how else to describe it. There's just a sort of uh, um, graphic design sensibility. Even when things are sort of superficially different, I get the samey feel with all of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't, I don't it's, know. It's, it's definitely just, fucking workshopped to death, you know. Yeah, and to no avail in terms of like having a, an impact or, or I don't know. I just like I have a very specific period of time that I like graphic design and books design. I think, uh, and this just hits all of that. Yeah, just sort of like we said, Oscar bait, but for books covers aesthetic sensibility. <laughs> yeah, right. I really don't like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so I'm, I'll go next because I'm going to call Matt out. But my uh, worst cover of the year was Percival Everett by Virgil Russell by Percival Everett. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. Which, yeah, you, Matt, you, which you, you also called hated, that out Matt. on the show. <laughs> that actually might be worse. Fuck. <laughs> and and that, so, so the cover of this book is this very, like... I don't want to insult the cover artist or, or whoever, but like crude and and like sucks, and like and just and just, and just bad rendition of the MC Escher painting of the two hands drawing each other, but they're both writing out the title of the book. Um, but it's the font is just like basically Comic Sans and like and it's just very like blocky and and weird and like. It, it it part of the other reason that I hated it is because that I liked the book so much and it yes. was such a you know like it's like it's like food right it's like you know uh, you eat with your eyes first right and like you know fortunate or unfortunate that's just a fact about the type of of creatures that we are and uh I I was I lament deeply that this cover will turn off 
any percentage of people who might otherwise read the book. Um, and because it's fucking ugly and goofy and kind of dumb. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I really, really, really disliked that cover design for Percival Everett by Virgil Russell by Percival Everett. Yeah, it was a bad one. It's interesting. Like, honestly, I, I, I rarely have, uh, a visceral reaction when it comes to book covers, like ever, even though I'm like an artist and I have, you know, I react like very harshly to a lot <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, you would think you'd like notice it <laughs> but more when than it comes any to of book us. Covers, I, I, I like barely even look at them. I don't really, I never have like a strong reaction. The question, the question though, Paul, is that like when you see a good one, doesn't it, isn't it nice? Especially when it like, yeah. when it like matches but it's, the, uh, the content. Like Gabe's saying that's, a, I think that's, that's something I didn't think about. That's one thing, though, about it, though, is, like, I almost feel like I can't really judge the cover until after I've read the book. Oh, or, that's like, interesting. After I've gotten into the book. I'm like, you know what I mean? Because you, you do get a feeling about what the book's going to be from looking at the cover, but you don't know what you're going to get from the book. So I think that Look, makes sense. You, so it makes sense with, like, movie trailers and titles and stuff, too. Well, right? yeah. I, yeah. Like tra- well, yeah. And, and as I said, like, after reading the book, it made me – I didn't like the cover to begin with. But I hated it even more after reading the book. Yeah. And I think, like, my favorite covers are generally really simple in, in their graphic design. Well, like, we've got really another like the, category. The we've got an, we got another category for okay, best okay, cover, okay. so chill out. <laughs> no, I, okay, yeah. I'm just saying in general, that's... I don't really gravitate towards anything other than, like, a good, solid design. But my least favorite is actually Killing Commendatore by Murakami. Ah, okay bad cover it's just like it literally is just like <laughs> it's yeah. an eye like off-centered and there's just like bluish color and clouds and for how good of a book i think it is it's just like it seems almost it's like it's a lazy photoshopped image a lot of murakami's for whatever reason his covers are just like so generic it's just his name in the same font every time and just yeah. like a kind of like fuzzy like smear of colors that's kind of ugly. Yeah. Sometimes there's like really really bright vivid colors on his covers too. Like if you look at his books in the in the in a on a bookshelf in the store there's like way more color than you'd expect, especially after like our first reading experience reading Norwegian Wood. I think you both got the feeling like he's kind of like oddly colorless in his writing in a lot of ways too so it does, yeah none of the covers really make sense for for his books to me and this one stood out partially because i liked the book so much too that i was like this cover just seems so shitty for 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 how good the book was so that's my number one bad i i'm so curious about like the amount of input an uh, author you know a living author i guess like has I feel like if I had the option and I had to be a pain in the ass I would be super involved in that process of yeah how my book is fucking clad and bound and all that fucking shit I would I would I would have a lot of like demands yeah that's (laughs) a really good that's a really interesting question I mean I, I I have no you have more experience in publishing than I do Matt but like my my guess is (laughs) yeah my guess is uh that the answer is like like 
basically zero. Like, it, you know, maybe they have to, like, sign off on something, but the implication is, like, you have to. You know, because, like, I don't know. Yeah. You, you probably don't want the reputation of being, like, difficult to work with with, like, what is, I don't know, I guess comparatively minor shit, but I don't really think it's minor. Because we do judge books by their covers, unfortunately or not. I think there's more of, like, this... Uh, irritating dissonance when the book is great and the cover is dog shit like you know uh, everyone got turned off by the elena ferrante quartet covers because they are like lavender with like just like women in dresses sitting on the beach and it just looks like a rom- romance novel and it's like not what the content of the book is like at all yo i i have a confession yeah. i have i have had the opportunity to buy so many of those elena ferrante books at, mm-hmm. at like dirt cheap prices multiple times and I didn't because of the cover and I know they're good yeah. and I, I know that they're I probably like them but I'm just like yeah. I don't I I <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, never going to I get love old. this that's never going to get old <laughs> ever like I just don't buy them and I don't know if it's like I think that's a what you said is a good Matt it's just like it just it just looks like a a fucking romance novel. Not no hate, no tino shade to romance novels, but like, I they they're ugly. They look like like they look like stupid Easter egg books. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, peeps colored books. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. All right, um, so we do. Uh, we're gonna take a pause here in the categories, the awards. Um, we do have a few. Uh, we did our we did we did our year anniversary Q and A. We did have a few questions trickle in after we recorded that episode, and I wanted to make sure, especially because a few of these questions came from uh, patrons on Patreon, and so I wanted to make sure we address them. So here's the first leftover uh, Q and A question. This is from Michael on um, on Instagram, and he asks. Uh, how has the podcast and its audience affected the way we read, if at all? Fuck. Self, just self-conscious. Uh, I don't know, right? Just like knowing that you're voicing uh, thoughts that aren't just going to sort of reverberate in your own head forever. Uh, and just the layer of self-consciousness that you're creating something to be consumed by people in fucking Spain and Finland and shit uh, does just change. I think for, I I think it cuts both ways. Like I, I, I probably don't take as hearty a swing at just like saying random stuff that pops into my head as much as I would normally, because I'm, I'm more conservative on, on this about just rambling because I, I think, you know, to make an entertainment, I need to have a halfway coherent thought. But at the same time, the entertainment, infinite jest, the in- infinite jest, <laughs> discuss. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, I do have to structure my thoughts, which I wouldn't have to do if I were just reading as I have been for, you know, the past fucking thirty plus, <laughs> you know, thirty years. It's like. Uh, those thoughts can just reverberate in my head without challenge, without elaboration, without uh, outside input, and and I think that's, I think this is a net positive in terms of 
my overall reading behaviors. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's a net positive for me. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know that it's really changed the way that I read per se. I've always been a note taker. I've always been a dog earer. I've always been an underliner. I've always been a kind of like secondary literature reader, all that stuff. And I still do that. I, I think the, the biggest sort of tangible effect for me is that it's, it's changed what I read. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's too, it's yeah. it's a much wider variety of stuff, and I I'm much more conscious about the types of authors that I'm reading, and and you know, I mean, I when I used to read fiction before, you know, it was just like I would just read like ten Simonon books in a row, you know what I mean, or, or like whatever, <laughs> yeah. and that was just like it, and I would be happy as a fucking clam, um, but that's not really viable for this. <laughs> <laughs> this format unless we just be, you know we were a Simonon podcast and um so so I think for me it's it's been mostly a change in this sort of the way I think about what I want to read or doing research about things like you know additional things to read for the show and and that kind of thing so yeah can you read the question again yeah how has the podcast and its audience affected the way that you read and its audience. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, but basically everything you guys just said is part of my answer too. But I, I think like, but before the podcast started, we read four or five, maybe six books before we, you know, just by ourselves. The lost episodes. The lost episodes, and I, I remember being just, and even in the first few episodes, I remember being like, <laughs> just like so guttural in my experiences my thoughts when there was no one listening just like this book fucking sucks i hate this part so much this character's stupid and i feel like i can't do that as much anymore or i probably can i'm sure it'd probably be more entertaining for me to just be that guy yes but i mean it makes me want to try to the podcast has made me want to try to you know think about more clearly like what what i like about a book and explain my thoughts more clearly that sort of thing yeah uh, yeah so i do kind of hold back because of our audience my, our audience is smart you discord people i'm you're all smart people and all and of I'm our just, patrons you know, and all of our listeners and everywhere in the world it's there's true. probably some stupid ones out there but we love you too <laughs> <laughs> i've encountered enough people who have like such a deep knowledge of stuff that yeah it's just like you, you you just have to have some humility coming into it. It's just like, yeah, I, I know so little. I'm going to do my best. That's all we can ever do. Maybe that's right? a big change, too. We, we have a little, I have a little, little bit of an imposter syndrome as things are moving forward. Maybe that has a, a big change. <laughs> Not uh, the yeah, audience yeah. and everything. So, I think oh. you, you threatened to quit the podcast last episode. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. You guys need to go on a casting run. Not happening. Cast a new Paul. It's never going to happen. Send, not, send, not send us emails. Man. Send us messages about how much we all love Paul and how he can't quit. And how he's also not trapped in a man. contract like like a That's right. movie star where it's just like he can't date unless we say so. He's got to do everything. Yeah. That's actually kind of true. The last one. <laughs> the la- no, no, no dating? Needed. That you can't date unless we say. You can't. We told you you can't date. It's not good for us. It's just we have we have me. veto power. We have veto power on who you. I don't date. want a date. I'm a vol cell. <laughs> I'm a Paul vol cell. cell. Paul cell. Yeah. 
Paul so. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to move to another segment now. Uh, and it's, um, I, I don't have a good theme song, but stomp the cracker. <laughs> so you're going with that one after all our del- del- deliberation stump the cracker we're not on twitch dude it doesn't we're matter. not on twitch they have no jurisdiction that's true if you're a twitch uh admin or whatever fuck you if you're listening they can't stop our hate speech <laughs> that's right <laughs> have um, you guys ever play- can i just have you guys ever played stump i don't know what is that no it's like some ludicrously kind of stupid dangerous drinking game where like uh you have to you all get around a tree stump and you and there's nails in the tree stump and you just drink and then my brother-in-law has played this game and talks about it sometimes i know what you're going to talk about yeah yeah you have to everyone and then there's a hammer that goes around the circle around the tree stump and you have to throw the hammer in the air catch it on its flip down and then hit the nail uh, and if you miss, mm. you take a drink, right? And then you just sort of go around a circle. Uh, maybe there's variations, or I'm wrong, but just had I had to ask. That sounds if anyone fun. Anyone else played stuff? It does I sound played fun. it twice. It's it's so stupid. Once you I, even while playing, I was like, "This is crazy! Like, why would I?" <laughs> this is very. This stupid. is so stupid. <laughs> just in the woods. Unlike unlike all other drinking games, this one's stupid. Dude, Flip Cup has a finesse <laughs> that you would never. No, that's think. true. That's true. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Flip Cup fan. And I'm pong sorry. and beer pong. Beer pong fucking rocks. Beer, I love beer pong. <laughs> beer pong is great. Um. All right. So we're gonna we're playing Stump the Cracker, and what what this is, we've all come to this evening with five trivia questions relating to uh, the books that we've read this year. And we'll go through, and each of us will pose uh, our first question now to the other two, and um, we will try to answer them. I don't have a scoring system, and we should we keep score? No. Yeah, let's do points to our, our uh, Harry Potter houses. Fine. Okay, points, fine. Okay. Points. All right. So could Paul, of course, because he's a competition monster, needs to keep score. So <laughs> don't just shout out the answer, but say. Like, you know, I, say like I know or something. And, you know, whoever we <laughs> says that first, we'll get the first crack at it. And then uh, if, first if, crack. if they get this first cracker at it and let's just say cracker as many times as we can. And mm-hmm. uh, if they get it wrong, <laughs> then we'll move on to the, the second person. OK. OK. All right. Like, who wants to go yeah, first? Like and then every right answer gets uh, one point, I guess. <laughs> I got your que- I got a question. All right, Marl. So in. The Night of the Owl by Shasha. Oof. Do, you re- do we all remember this book? Yep. What is the... Yes. What is the... Um, what is the sort of like... Uh, uh, derisive name to the... That uh, the Northern Italians gave to the Southern Italians? Oh, crap. It's like an insult. <laughs> and I can give a hint if, if needed. I was going to uh, ask yeah. another question about this book, and I thought you were going to ask the same one as me, but this is different. I don't know. All right. Good. Hint. Paul? No idea. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's related to diet. 
Ugh. I'm just going to say, Buzz, I'm going to say an answer uh, that I know is wrong, but I love Skyrim, so I'm going to say Milk Drinkers. <laughs> no, but the, <laughs> the, the sort of sentiment is correct. <laughs> And if um, okay, how, wait. How about this? I'll just say this: If nobody gets it, then the questioner gets a point. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. Uh, grubbies. Wow! Wow! <laughs> All right, Matt. You you get a point. What is it? It's polenta eater. Polenta eaters. Crap. Yeah. Yes, I stumped nice. both that was the hard. That, that was hard. That, that was, was hard. hard and not a fun question. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. That's oh, a, was that's it fun? <laughs> what is fun? It was, it was not. All right. Uh, okay, I'll go um, next. All right, or you want to go, Paul? Yeah, I'll go. This first question, will you'll be able to understand what kind of questions <laughs> I decided to ask. <laughs> um, yeah, how many pages are in hell. Moby Dick? <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. Is that <laughs> really the question? Okay, yeah, I, I'm and, gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna part guess. B part B is how many chapters? Okay, I have a guess. No, okay. part B. I don't know about part I have no idea about part B, but for part one, I'm gonna go You cannot Google it. I'm not Googling it. I'm gonna say seven hundred and eighty one. Alright, my price is right rules over under. How about just closest? Sure. Okay, okay. fine. Uh uh. My guess is going to be um, 580. Okay, apparently Matt win- is the winner. I, I'm actually a little concerned that my Google search, the first one that popped up, might not be correct. <laughs> but I got I got 427 pages from that. Can't Day, be Mobile right. Day. There's no way that's right. Pagination and 135 chapters. Editions. There's no way yeah, that's right. It's an impossible question to answer. So we got uh, ten points to uh, Ravenclaw. Okay, whatever. The, okay, the most reviewed Goodreads version says six fifteen. Just for the record, I think Matt would oh, okay. still win in that. I still win. All right, so Matt has two points. Yeah. All right. Okay, my question. Uh, mine kind of go from easy to hard uh, in the way that I organize it. <laughs> so you um, just said mine comp. No, I didn't. <laughs> You said mind kindful girl. You definitely did. did. All right. Yeah. Mind kindful girl to. (laughs) He's subliminally activating his his MK Ultra listeners. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um. What 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 real world town is the fictional setting of Evandara's flea based on? Ah. And there was an answer to this. Yeah, did you, this couldn't have been part? Of, yeah, okay. Um, it's not in the book, but it's a known, and we talked about it on the on the episode. Uh, okay. Um, fuck, man. Was it in New York? I'm not giving hints until you both ask for one. I'm g- no, Paul. You go first. You can you can ask for a hint. Gonna, you don't have to I'm, guess yet. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for a hint. All right, Matt. No, 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 no. Uh. uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Brattleboro. B- Brattleboro, Vermont, is your guess? Vermont? Yes. No, yes, fault, think- wrong. That's... Fuck! I thought it was Vermont. All right, so you should have asked for a hint. I'm just making up the rules as we go. So now Paul gets a hint, and if he answers correctly, it's correct. I'm Chad for not asking for a hint. That is true. Okay, <laughs> the, the hint, Paul, is it is indeed in Vermont. 
Burlington. Right. Burlington, correct. Oh my god. Fuck yes. Fucking fucking Burlington, dude. <laughs> I don't think I don't, I don't even think there's yes. a, I don't even think there's a college in Battleboro, is there? Well, I don't know, Brattleboro. man. Maybe he's just it's writing fiction. Fuck. That, it's made that makes up. a lot of sense. It's that made up. Sense. Okay. It's fiction. <laughs> we made it up. All right. So at the end of round one, <laughs> it was an absolute fiction. At the end of uh, round, I fucking love that video. At the end of round one of Stump the Cracker, Matt has two points. Paul has one, and I have zero. All right. All right. Next category. We're moving we'll on tune to tune back in next time. Tune back in for the next round. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to go to everyone's number four book of the year. The next big category. Uh, I think I went first last time, so someone else go this time. I got it. It was something mentioned already, but uh, it's Unclay. Nice. Unclay, dude. Nice. Similar reasons given as to why you would reread it, but just, you know... uh, even though it was my choice, uh, it was one of these just kind of like blind picks uh, based on a recommendation. Uh, the book was bought bought for me by my grandmother, so uh, you know I didn't know much about it, and uh, it just really like took me by surprise. And like Gabe was saying, it's it's a uh, allegorical tale, which you you normally associate with like children's shit or like religious texts, and it is in a perverse and very like adult way all of those things Mm -hmm. Um, but somehow like threads this uh this fantastical and simple kind of rural tale needle while accommodating a lot of weird nuance about like you know, it's it's fuck it's it's like a little eye rolly to say, but like the human condition or like uh, some of the fundaments and and sort of verities of existence uh, in this little town. And I just I it's funny, well written. I liked I liked it a lot. Yeah, that's a good book. Yes, that is a good book. I actually forgot about it when I made my top five. <laughs> Would it have been in there Might otherwise? Have to reorganize. Yeah. I'm just going to go with my five. I'm not going to do any reorganizing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a great book. All right, Paul, what's what's your number four? It is uh, Base Cathedral by Nathaniel Mackey. Nice. Yes, sir. Really good book. I mean, I'm I'm rethinking my top five right now. I'm like, maybe I should have that one higher. But I mean, I love that book so much. It It was one of the most difficult books we read by far. Um, but it, it did something so unique. Like it, it, it was like overly wordy, but in like jargony, like a lot of musical jargon that was went completely over my head. And I feel like that was, that was kind of the point of him writing it too, is like mm. lulling you into sleep in a way, but then having such surreal moments throughout the book, which I love really just captured me. Um, and just some really beautiful, like poetic writing, a lot of passages where I would look up like a certain word and be like, this word doesn't even like fit the the definition doesn't even fit to where this is, (laughs) but it like makes sense in like a, in in, just as you're reading it, it, it like vibes, you know, 
he he just yeah. has a really unique way of writing books and a unique style. Um, and yeah, I think honestly, I like it so much too because he takes surreal themes but translates that to his writing style. So like he almost writes in a surreal way, which I think is just so fascinating. Like almost dreamlike. I don't know. Yeah, just absolutely. really really a great challenging book and also a lot of like literal dream sequences in that book but also that they meld yeah. in with reality we were and all of course so the drawing of the balloon that. boy yes oh yes we were mr balloon 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 yeah balloon balloon <laughs> we were we were so hyped on that i do remember that very distinctly like that might have been I don't know, kind of the most enthused all of us probably ever sounded on mm. the show. I would I would venture to say that like all three of us kind of on the same page and excited like Yes. I remember that very like yeah. distinctly. Like that that was a unique one because we were all just like holy shit, I fucking love this and like we all felt that similarly. Yes. I I I don't mm-hmm. want to like not to remove it to, like, like you know the option on the table. Uh, it didn't make it to my top five. Um, Spoilers, but but that sucked to shave off. Like I, that's sure. an honorable mention for sure for me. Uh, and just like yeah, super, yeah, super memorable book. I I loved it. All right, well, my number four is uh, Nathaniel Mackey's Base Cathedral. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're friends. Are you kidding me? Similar, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that ass. That ass. Wow, you hid that. You hid that very yeah, well. I had yeah. no. There was no sign pointing <laughs> to that. Was your wow? Poker face uh, game. Yeah, and and you know it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it it was very very close to being number three. I, I had to debate a lot with my number three pick, but um, yeah, Paul already said a lot. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, we don't have a category on here for most difficult book, which maybe we should have, but um, it would certainly uh, probably oh, yeah. probably take that t- uh, title for me, um, you know, with a, yes. a close second being um, McElroy's Cannonball, probably. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, Mackie, Mackie's writing is, like Paul said, it's just this crazy amalgam because it's the book is is epistolary, right? It's written in the form of letters. But it's this crazy amalgam of like, you know, epistolary narrative and and kind of poetry and like just a, a encyc- absolutely encyclopedic musical lexicon that is just mm-hmm. like, as Paul already said, like way over anything that I can understand in terms of just like the the words you could you could you could write you could have a jazz uh, 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 you could have a lifetime of like jazz artists and albums to listen to just based on this book alone. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, one of the things that I loved about it is that it's a small slice of Mackie's, um, sort of lifetime project, which is this, this sort of never ending, never beginning series of letters called, um, from a broken bottle traces of perfume still emanate, which I have three other volumes of collected that I desperately want to read, um, in, in the new year, probably. But uh, yeah, just beautiful and 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 challenging and weird and uh, uh, I I but in a way that 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 I loved every second of the ch- of the challenge and the weirdness. Yeah, yeah. 
Well said. Um, okay. Yeah, go Such ahead, man. Such a good book. Oh, man. I just like, the, additionally, just the, the uh, just conceptually, the idea of uh, some sort of life's work always gets me going. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Right. Just some sort of like cool, like, this is my, I've been working on this for 30 years. It's like, yes. I love, uh, just gets me every, yeah. even if it's not even that good. I'm like, just, I just love the idea of that. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Just keep yes. plugging away. Um, all right. I next, mean, uh, something crazy about. Sorry, just to no, yeah, keep yeah. going a little bit is like something that is crazy about that though is like it. It does exhaust me to think that he's written like a bunch of books in this in this style, like base yeah. base, base cathedral. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm tired. That makes me tired. <laughs> yeah, but it's also awesome. I agree with you, Matt. It's like it's awesome, but also tiring. Uh, yeah, it was so much work so much to read and uh, that's why we take year-long breaks <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um okay so next category the author that you most want to read more of based on what we read this year uh i i, I can go first here um i think my, my answer may be a, a bit of a shock to listeners of the oh. podcast, because I think there are there are some uh, obvious answers. Uh, uh, you know, Mackie, I just mentioned, obviously, um, you know, your Melvilles, people like that, whose who's books that I've really loved. But my my spicy answer, which I believe, uh, you know, that I, you know, which I really feel is Michelle. Can I guess? Can I guess? Too oh, late. Shit. I was yeah. going to guess that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Really? Yeah, it. man. Yeah. So uh, my answer is Michelle Welbeck. And if you listen to our episode of um, where we talked about submission, um, I, I I just unqualifiedly hated that book. Uh, I think I gave it the lowest score that I've ever given. Um, but I am, you know, intrigued in the sense that I want to know I have my theories based on the people that I that I know online. Shout outs to Quick uh, 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 Books Are Better Than Food and Cliff. Um, get that coffee. I have my theories about why people like Qualbeck. Um, spoiler alert: It's uh, basically racism and just sad. You know, white person, uh, white people are oppressed. Blah blah blah. Like kind of uh, views that are anathema to me politically. Um, but he's also still critically and kind of you know to some degree academically respected and i i am i feel that it's worth pursuing to attempt to figure out why that is matt i know you have some books from him that you you know still kind of stand by um and i i, I trust that and i want to explore those uh, uh more and um he's also just you know just technically a good writer and easy to read so happy to to go down that that hole a bit further. <laughs> You're a sniper with that fucking yes, that's perfect. Shit, yeah. Oh god! Now I know. Now I want to know what the other sound is you have queued up. Yeah, I'm, it I'll can't it be save it. You got to save it. I know. Yeah, I know. It has to be appropriate, yeah. dude. organic. Exactly. So yeah, my, that's my answer. The author I most want to read more of. Well back. I guess um, I have a uh, also an answer that I tried to make not um, 
because there's obviously like all of these people they've got many works and i i intend to read more of the people i like i liked uh but uh michael cisco is mine Ooh, that's a good one uh very specifically gabe the 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 book you own a copy of Animal Money yeah so just, we what did we read of his the Divinity Student yeah yeah the Divinity Student which I didn't I didn't really like all that much uh, yeah but there was so, something there for sure yeah I guess this similarity that we share is just I mean you submission you hated way more I I just found the Divinity Student to be I think it's like his first published work right and, and, i think uh, so i just found it to be uh exhausting in a kind of um you know freshman uh, publication sense and just a little try hard and um you guys liked it way more and uh yeah i don't know i just i i picked up something there where i saw somebody trying to do something interesting specifically within the like i guess supposedly like cosmic horror weird fiction tradition which i always am mm-hmm. i've always been a big fan of uh and yeah well, you guys I are just, also doing the mock inverse which is a sign of your shout your outs to youtube yeah. <laughs> shout outs to youtube uh, <laughs> 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 let's signal boost uh, youtube.com uh <laughs> hey listen i just have to say this i'm sorry but little known fact about the Spinecrackers. This is deep lore now. Mm. Me and Matt were involved. I'm not going to say what it was, but we were involved in one of the first videos ever featured on the front page of YouTube.com. Before it was Google owned, before it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, big, me and Matt, were, we, ha- we had a friend who was very plugged into like nerd video internet culture and he made a video and we were in it and it was featured on the front page of youtube.com like within the first year of youtube's existence still is by the way featured that on the front friend. page no that oh yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway it's it's congratulations michael it's michael Sisko. thank you yeah i would i definitely well, i would love to read animal money and in the in the next year maybe it's long it it's is big. long it's a fatty yeah. all right paul Mine is uh, Virginia Woolf. Nice. Uh, I struggled through... What do we read by her? You can do it. I forgot. Mrs. Give me the first letter. Mrs. Dalloway. Yeah. <laughs> I struggled through that in a similar way that I struggled through uh, The Confidence Man. I, just, I, ha- I do have issues and trouble with... Um, I mean, it's not even as old language, but I do I do struggle with that sort of those those older books, I guess. And it's not in the struggle in a way that like uh, like Cannonball was a struggle. Like McElroy is is a different kind. It's it's more. I just I don't know. I just I do yeah. struggle with it, but I enjoy that book a lot. And I I'm, I'm I am fascinated by Wolf, and I I just really want to explore more of her work. So. Yeah, that's my answer. Nice. But yeah. I need, I need to read more Wolf as well. Yeah, same for what yeah. it's worth, yeah. Well, I'm sure Wolf. we'll I'm sure we'll come back to her. Um all right, uh next category is the most surprising book of the year. What book 
snuck up on you that you weren't ex- that you 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 didn't know what to expect, the one that 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 came out of nowhere and either hit you in a good way, um, not necessarily a bad way. We have a separate category for uh, a most disappointing book, but generally in a, in a good way, a book that that uh, kind of surprised you. I can go first if you guys need a minute. Uh, yeah, I think I need to rethink my answer. Okay. But I have one now. I do All right. Well, so mine is my. So my answer is uh, the, the most. The I most. Have, I have one now. I have one now. Right now, actually. <laughs> I have one now. Let me go. Let me go. I'll be first. Go ahead. Go, Paul. No, I don't want to be first. Okay. Anymore. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the most surprising book of the year for me was David Diop's All Night at Night All Blood Is Black. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Um, same for you. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, I, I I had no real expectations going into it other than that I knew that it had won the, um, I forget, 2019, I think 2020, um, international, maybe, t- I forget the years, international. 2020. 2020, yeah. Very yeah, recent. Very recent. The 2020 uh, International Booker Prize. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people in... Uh, literary circles have kind of grown um sort of cynical and calloused about literary awards right whether that's a new york times top 10 list of the year or even something like the nobel right i think people are kind of like more likely to roll their eyes at those sorts of things than view them as a a sign of actual merit at this point yeah awards are like a cabal of uh Vested monetary interests circle jerking each other. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> right. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Which is not um, untrue in some extent. But so it was actually 2021. It was even later than that. It was the 2021 International Booker Prize. All right. Um, and uh, so you know, I it's not that I, I I don't have that attitude about literary prizes and stuff like that. I think there's generally probably some sense of, of merit there, something worth looking into at least. And so I wasn't, I, w- I didn't have the full cynical view going in, but I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's, it's not going to be whatever, whatever. And, and um, you know, even the score that I gave the book in the episode is, I would say, significantly lower than how I feel about it now. That, that out of all the books that I think th- that we've reviewed for the show, that's the one that I find myself, like, thinking about at random moments Late, like uh, since we've read it way more often than I was ever expecting to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a it's such a strange book that's like wrapped up in like myth and and uh, this obscure kind of corner of history that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and the the forms of the storytelling are very like like intermingled, and there's a there's a lot of like very beautiful weird moments. So. Yeah, that's my that's my cue, and that's my uh, uh, that's my answer. Is that not all blood is black, David Diop? Should I go just because I uh, have the same answer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate, yo, Gabe. You said it best, and you know why should I even say anything? Uh, no, um, yeah, it snuck up on me again. Uh. What is I think is so great about doing a podcast where uh, your friends also pick the reading material is because I would have really like slept on this probably for a really long time or potentially never have read it. Uh, I'm actually surprised 
you know, I can be surprised by my own choices, but they're still tempered by like my taste and stuff. So like reading things that you're just like, I'm never fucking, I would never. And then also loving it is really great. Um, and that was one of them, uh, the Diop book. And, uh, yeah, it's that bizarre, what is it? Triplicate three layered reality where it's like, you think it's 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 it it subverts it three times i think there's three layers and it's like yeah you think there's gonna be you think you've got it pegged and then it, and it's so funny because you think you've got it pegged and it subverts it but in a way where it just kind of repeats the same thing but yeah. just in a different form and so it's just like this very interesting experience where you are kind of just repeating yourself three times uh in different forms but uh, those forms mean everything in terms of uh, some sort of um, fucking like psycho spiritual continuity over time and space. Uh, fucking rocks. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 book like intellectually like crosses you over and like breaks your ankles like vintage Allen Iverson style like three <laughs> times and it's like yeah. not not even in some corny like ooh plot twist way. But no. literally, just like tonally and and like you know, like like you said, psychically, because the twist is saying, just mirroring or or just like a, a repetition, which is what's so interesting. Yes, you know? exactly. It's not a twist in the sense of a change up. It's a twist in the sense of like somehow they're repeating it in a new context. I don't know. Yeah. All right, Paul. Most surprising book of the year for you. Okay. Well. I was going to change my answer, but um, I have the same pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a Triwizard Cup going right here. Oh, oh yes, God. we do. And, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's the first unanimous winner for a category. Yeah. I was going to wow. change it because we were talking about Unclay, but it really didn't surprise me. Like when. When I really think about something that surprised me, I think I think maybe part of it was because it got the Booker Prize that we weren't maybe like expecting so much from it, maybe from our own personal biases. Right. But uh, what you said, Gabe, I've thought about that book, too. Like randomly, I'll just think about it and an image will pop into my head about that book. It's it's stuck with me. Um. But I don't want to keep going because basically everything you guys said is like I just totally agree with it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's my pick too. Sick. All right, um, we have another leftover Q and A question. Uh, this one comes from uh, Morgan in real life. Um, and nice. <laughs> Morgan in real life, her new CW show. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the question is, uh, what author right would after we? That's uh, so Raven. Yeah, exactly. That's a Raven. Morgan in real life. Um, and the question is, what author would we most like to sit down and talk with? A classic question. Oh wow! Yeah, and I don't. I forgot this was a question. Uh... <laughs> Paul, is it Murakami? No. It is uh, Nicholson Baker. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I would one. love okay. to hang out with that guy. Dude, that's <laughs> that a guy, great that's answer. That's a really good answer. He just seems like fucking chill and weird. Uh, I mean, he's also one of those authors that I want to read more of what he's written. I don't know. He just, like in interviews and stuff, he just seems like 
fucking cool and down to earth, but I know he's like fucking weird as shit too. Like uh the mezzanine was so weird. And I would just love to talk to a guy <laughs> yeah. that wrote that book, you know? I mean, it's a difficult question to answer, though, because it'd be cool to talk to any author that is uh, dead, just be, you know, just because. True. Yeah. What was life like? To a, Shakespeare. Did you actually yeah. write all of your works? Yeah. Have you had tuberculosis? <laughs> Are you the Earl of Oxford, actually? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my pick. that's a good one. My, mine's not my answer is not from anyone that we read this year, but it, he is one of my favorite authors uh, and it's Samuel Beckett. Um, just because, uh, you know, you know, my background in philosophy and Beckett's work is so philosophically pregnant, but also so sparse in a lot of ways, I, I would, I would kind of just want to like hear from him and like pick his brain about the, how direct the connections are to like his own personal kind of like thinking about philosophy and his sort of worldview, um, and, and. I don't know. I, I just wanted. I would just want to talk to him about philosophy and try to fill in some of the gaps that he, I assume, intentionally left in his his writing. Uh, yeah, and also he just kind of seems, you know, like he'd be down. Uh, did you know that uh, Beckett dated James Joyce's daughter? I did know that. Yes, and that that's and cool. and that's they had a falling out because he didn't want to marry her. Yes. Yeah. Wow, is because he didn't fart in his fa- or she didn't fart in his face? <laughs> I don't know if she yeah, shared her father's right. predilections, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This one was is tough. Like fuck. Uh fuck. You know who, you know what? Just for a, just to have a good time, I think is how I was thinking about this more than anything. And also because uh, I took the language barriers seriously. <laughs> mm. I was like, yeah, me too, I, actually. I was like, I can't talk, you know, to certain people here. You'd need the uh, universal translator from the Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> yes, I would need something of that sort, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, what's his name? Gene Roddenberry type device. But mm-hmm. I, I thought uh, Philip K. Dick. Ooh, that's a good one, too. To be in like fucking California and just like drink or get high in his like uh, his like weird bungalow or whatever he was living in uh, in like Big Sur or whatever the fuck he was, uh, yeah, I yes. think that would be fun. I get the It'd impression he's just yeah, he's just it would be an intense, uh, but kind of if you're if you're describing, the, I'm assuming this is like an isolated incident where you get some what. A day, yeah, like a my, yeah, like my dinner with Andre type situation. Yes, then it, it, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say Philip K. Dick. That's a good one. All right, uh, the next uh, next up we have oh Paul's Paul's just uh, stepped away for a second, but next up is ba pa 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 stump the crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Round two. Uh, right. I don't know if we can get we can't get sued for that, can we? No. I don't think so. Philip K. Dick would be weird sued? to talk to. Yeah, not sued. What the fuck? If we if we maybe if we play the actual jingle in Biden's America, it's a remix. Yeah. <laughs> I I also would just want to ask him like why are you is your writing so fucking weird? Oh uh, yeah, Philip K. Dick's. Yeah. Probably this. 
The drugs. He would just be like, I because his talking is probably would probably also be weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Paul, we're on to stump the buff round two. Stump the cracker. Cool. All right, who uh, who's going first this time? I'll go first. Did I go last last time? Okay, go ahead, Paul. Uh, how many uh, female authors have we read? Okay, hold on. Oh shit. Oh, this is tough. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm buzzing in. I'm buzzing in. Okay. Oh, shoot. I guess we probably have to name them, too, don't we? You don't have to name them. No. I do want to... If anyone gets it right, though, it's a part B. Okay. Is it naming them? (laughs) Okay. I don't want to to say what it is. He wants to name them. No, 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 I don't. I don't. No, I don't want to stun. I'm I'm buzzing in with five. That's what... All right. Oh shit! Damn it! <laughs> All right, Matt, Dude, don't I'm, cheat. I'm not cheating, but I, I I I'm gonna do kind of like a Price Is Right thing. Yeah, where okay. I think Gabe rushed it. I think there are. Uh, I I think. Uh, I think there are seven. Holy shit! Ten points to Matt. Damn or, it, uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> Who did I miss? Oh, I think I nice. missed Gene Toomer and Ursula Le Guin. Gene T- Gene Toomer is a man. Yeah, yeah. Or not Gene Toomer. Gene, uh, Toomer. Uh, G- uh, G- Gene Stafford. Gene Stafford. Well, yeah. that th- does that, that count? That doesn't count. That's not for the podcast. I don't know who you added up. So Matt's head, right Matt, by default. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I just I chose Stafford. I missed. Though. I missed Le Guin. I miss Le Guin. Who did I miss then? Well, I mean, if you're looking at the list, this part B will be easy. But uh, my second question: was, What was the first one we read on the podcast? Uh, woman. I don't know. I think the I think the first one we read was. I don't know. I don't remember Le the order. Was it Le Guin? Shit. It was Le Guin. Okay, wait. So, what are the seven then? If what 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 did what 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 did who did Matt miss? We have. Le Guin. Le Guin. Uh, oh, Anna Kavan. Yeah, Helen DeWitt. Yep. Oh, oh, there's DeWitt more. Well. Hiroko Oyamata. Hiroko Oyamata. Oh, fuck. It's eight. I you, forgot that so, Hiroko so Oyamata was a, too. was a So Matt's woman. wrong, too. No points. Well, no points. I mean, but one, well, Matt won, like... Uh, Paul wins. Who's I think, closer? I think Paul gets the point. <laughs> yeah, even though I fucked up the question. Ugresic. <laughs> I thought that Hiroko Oyamata Ugresic, Leilani, Wolf... Is that it? There was eight, so. Wait, then now what? Now, so how did I add this? Up? Okay, hold on. How did I miss this? Hold on. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> we gotta go through. We gotta go through one more. One more fucking time. Okay, here we go. One. Uh, Le Guin. It is Le Guin. Anna Kavan. Kavan. Helen, Helen DeWitt. Helen DeWitt. Hiroko Oyamada. So that's four. Yep. Four Raven Leilani, Ugrasic, six Virginia Wolf. It is seven. Maybe. It is seven. Oh yeah, it is seven. All right, so Matt gets the point. Okay. Fuck yes, dude. Okay, sort of through by hook and by crook, Matt gets the point. Yeah, who gives a shit? Give me the point. All right, three. Okay, here's uh, here's my question. Ready? Yeah. 
In Exit West, what three places, what three cities do Saeed and Nadia travel to through the doors? Okay. I just can't remember the name I of know the two fucking of them. first place. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the name <laughs> of the first place. Uh, oh, uh, beep beep. Okay, Matt. Um, is it fucking, it's Greece and it's Mykonos or Makinos? Mykonos is one. Mykonos, Fuck. London, you got San Francisco. It. Mykonos, London, and San Francisco. Damn ding, it. Ding, I, ding. Knew, I knew London and San Francisco and I forgot Mykonos. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that would be the tricky one. Dude, Probably because of unconscious it. bias racism. <laughs> yeah. Against Greeks? Yeah. There's <laughs> olive oil soaked bums. <laughs> All right, Matt, what's your question? Okay. Uh, I hope maybe this one's more fun. Uh, who was the, what was the name in Ubik that got us laughing uncontrollably? <laughs> oh, oh, buzz, 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 buzz. Shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. No. Pa- oh, my God. Um, chips. No. It wasn't. It wasn't it chips? Because we no. definitely laughed at chips. We did. Joe Chip. We, we got, we got, but there was an initial name. Oh, oh shit. Uh, we then started laughing at everything, including Joe Chip, yeah. but it was not it was, it was a, it was a character name? Yes. Oh, crap. Uh, can we get, can we get like, um. Was it like a spaghetti sauce or something? <laughs> what do you even mean by asking I thought me that? there was someone named like Ravioli or something in that fucking book. All right, Clue, Paul's got the right first letter. Oh, for what? For the answer to the question. Of the first name or the last name? It's the last name. C? It's C? No, R. no. R. He said oh. ravioli. I mean, it's not Runciter, is it? Glenn Runciter? You got it. That was is it? it? Really? That's what we're laughing at? I don't yes. remember his laugh. <laughs> yes. That's wow. what started the laugh. Okay. Dude. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Runciter and Associates. Runciter. We were we were we were punchy that episode. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were, were feeling we were, punchy. I lost it. I fucking all lost it that episode. <laughs> we all I lost it probably the longest. I don't know how. Oh my god. Yeah, we were I was cry I, I I've lost most of joy in life in general, but I I like cried laughing that episode. I was losing it. <laughs> oh god. Glenn right, Runciter and Joe Chip. I'm on the board finally. Gabe's on the board. Paul, we got we got some work to do. Dude. Points don't matter. Matt's got four points. I won the mean I game in Iowa, so, so at, I'll be happy for at, the next at, year. <laughs> so at the end of I round two, teeth, at the end of round yeah, two, that it was is epic. Four to one to one in favor of Matt. Oh my god. Okay. Um. Next category, a big one. Everyone's third favorite book of the year. Number three out of the top five. I went last, or I went first last time, so. Someone else go. I think Matt's, go. I think it's Matt's turn to go first. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I, it's uh, the Museum of Unconditional Surrender. Nice. Probably is this anyone else's? That just I'm like that just missed my top five. It was really hard to take it to not have it in there. Right on. Uh. Yeah. I. As like a um. Not dire. Oh, like a pseudo diaristic account of of one's experience as like a refugee, but more importantly, just as like a, a kind of way of doing the like 
auto ethnography thing, which is a little bit tired, um, or 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 can just be like boring, straightforward accounting of one's experiences because like the currency of having been a refugee is somehow like just enough, and you can just sort of say this like I don't know, Ugresich like. Maybe it's just the magical realism <laughs> elements right. added to added to the whole thing, but it's just this like bizarre combination. Which again, and 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 like you know, we've we've discussed the difference between like capital R realism in terms of like these mimetic accounts of just like factual relation relating of of what's going on versus what feels real and what is experientially real, being probably the more important way to recount human, you know. I guess like fucking experience. I wish I could think of a different word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lived experience. <laughs> sure. Embodied experience. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. That book was just like, just, it was so beautifully written and there were so many, it's like this quilt kind of, there were just so many like beautiful components that like brought the whole thing together as a work and effectively evoked, I think, uh, this sense of displacement and alienation that I, I imagine she was going for, and therefore, like, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it's one of those things where y- y- I felt uh, the mind meld occurring, which is a very rewarding thing in literature, because I feel like one of the things that people say often about reading is that you... It's 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 someone else's brain trying to commune with your own, and uh, mm. and in this and in this particular work, I, I I felt that experience more than anything else we've read so far. Nice, Paul. You want to go? Sure. My number three is Percival Everett by Vir- Virgil Russell, by Percival Everett, and mm. I'm sure this is where Gabe and I's uh, top fives are different. Um, but yeah, I fucking love that this book. Um, I, I rated it super high and it was only after Gabe's knowledge of philosophy, uh, on the podcast, like it came out on the podcast that I was like, there's a whole another layer to this book that I didn't even get, but I still loved it in my initial read, which is something that I, I think I value in complicated books, like, or any book, like there can be so many different, uh, levels of value for what for how knowledgeable you can be going into a book. So for it to grip me and to be so funny and just interesting without me knowing this, like, (laughs) you know, 75% other aspect of the book, I just found that amazing too as a reader. But I mean, I just thought it was brilliantly written. It made me fucking laugh. I was confused in a good way, which is, uh, a feeling I kind of search for t- uh, when I'm reading too. Like a, I like <laughs> yeah. that feeling. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it was just definitely just a brilliant, a brilliant book, and one of those books that like another one of those books that I feel like I need to read again. But also, I apparently have to read like twelve philosophy books before I can <laughs> really totally understand it. But yeah, I just I don't know. I was it was intriguing. I just I just really really love that book. He's got a new one out. It's 
the trees, tre- right? The trees. And I got to say, as far as we were talking about before with the covers, they seem to have the same damn person. I know. <laughs> I don't know what the, they're doing him so dirty over there at Grey Wolf. Grey Wolf, you need to fucking do something. Okay? Okay. Okay. Stop All right. Game up. Figure it out. <laughs> I'm um, the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the boss of Grey Wolf Press. <laughs> <laughs> um all right not well good enough not good enough not smart enough <laughs> uh, yeah so my number three is um the museum of unconditional surrender by dubravka ugresich wow yeah baby you didn't say that that was it but we don't have to always say it. i like the mystery um yeah, I I totally agree with Matt. I think he put it well, you know, describing the book as as this as this this weird quilt of like profound realism and and just this psychological sense of of kind of global homelessness um along with these very, you know, kind of similar to um you know, I I guess a little bit of like what Mackie did with these very surreal moments uh, where the 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 unreal intersects with the real in in these kind of like weird or even Diop too like in these kind of like mythical yeah. sort of like local legend type ways um, like the scene at the at the birthday party or Christmas party I forget what it is in in that book. Um, where they're visited by that like angel entity yeah. thing, like very bizarre. Yeah. And I mean, but then also again, these like deeply human moments. Uh, we have a, a category later about our, our favorite passage or, or you know quote or section from a book. Yeah, yeah. And the the the, the passage about the mother looking out the window. Uh, I don't know if you remember that from Museum of Unconditional. That was very close to to being my pick. Um. Yeah, it's 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 political, it's you know, psychological and it's just beautifully written and it's again like just not not like much else that I've ever encountered. So I I yeah, it it hit me in a lot of different ways. Um all right, so moving on, we have another uh, uh lingering Q&A question. This one also from uh Michael Friend of the show on Instagram. What if anything makes literature unique as an art form? <laughs> uh, all that's right, a deep, that's uh, a deep one. That's a show in and of itself. I find, yeah, to be honest, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With Michael, here. you're not kidding. First blush. I mean, uh, I think it's it's unique. I say it's unique, but I, I feel the same way about like graphic novels or comics. Though it, it, it's a way of storytelling that obviously you can you can absorb at your own pace. There's no concept of immediacy, which which makes reading and right. graphic novels similar. But it's it's you know the passage of time and how, like how you how you read it and how fast you read it. It's like it's unique to you. So it makes it more of an individual experience than something like looking at a painting or watching a movie or, you know, listen to a song. So I think the time element makes it unique. I yeah. definitely, I definitely agree with that. Uh, in the, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you, you, it, 
and the, and just the amount of time is mo- is longer than most other. Obviously, there's visual art and film and and any other type of art that you can come back to over and over again, but just that first engagement with a thing, it just it just fucking takes longer, just on a very base level, um, which I think changes the experience. And like you know, I, I, with something like film, it feels almost, uh, and I, you know, we can talk about if we did a full episode on something like this, we could talk about whether or not this is a strength or a weakness or what, or just a separate, just a different way of, of engaging with art. It would feel almost antithetical to the spirit of the thing to be like, you know, I'm going to pause this movie and put it down for three days and come back and finish the last hour or last 45 minutes. And okay. Later. Will, you know what I mean? Unless me, you're talking about something like fucking like Workmeister harmonies or like some of these like fucking like eight hour, like what, you know, movies or whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to agree with you. I, I was going to say that someone on I was talking to on Tinder said that, and it, I had a Jerry Seinfeld reaction. I stopped talking to them. I was like, "That's insane <laughs> to me. You can't just pause a movie and like come back to it like right. tomorrow." What? What? Right. <laughs> what are you thinking so. about? What do you even mean? <laughs> watch the movie. Just yeah. watch it. Yeah. Just watch so, it. So, it. So, so I think the pace of engagement. And just the, 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 the commitment that it takes is, uh, you know, and uh, okay, here, I'm going to, I'm going to do something heretical on this show. I'm, I'm going to shout out Cliff in an unironic way. Uh, I watched for the first time, he did a video about kind of like, um, you know, how, how many people in the world like can't read or whatever. Right. Like literature takes a certain level of, of education to even be able to engage with, right? Everyone has the capacity for sight. Everyone has the capacity. I mean, uh, shout outs to blind people, shout outs to deaf people, et cetera, et cetera, right? All that, like no, no, no ableism uh, around here, but you know, nor most, (laughs) most, many people, (laughs) many people have naturally the capacity for sight, the capacity for hearing, um, you know, we can talk about food capacity for taste, right? If one has their five senses, there's still the potential there's something extra for not being able to. Eat. Yes, exactly. Thank you. That's a better way to put it. And that makes it, I think, unique as well. Now, obviously, you need, you know, theoretically, you need more education in order to kind of do like film criticism or get blah 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 all of that shit or art criticism. But just to be be able to barely view or hear or engage with the thing, reading is the only art form that I can think of. That requires something beyond like the base five senses. That's true. That's a good but answer. What's, what's so interesting about that is is it requires the sixth sense. <laughs> yeah, to see your dead ancestors, which is a kind of interesting, sort of true concept about reading. In some cases, <laughs> you do have to see dead people. Uh, but. Uh, I was going to say that what's interesting about that is I didn't really think about it in those terms, Gabe, but you're right. Yeah, you, you need uh, you need literacy. You need to have your, Shout your out, that's that's Cliff. That's that point was basically all Cliff. So I'm unironically shouting out Cliff. Wow. Yeah. You know, the guy the guy is uh, he's not some cartoon villain. He's fine. Uh, however, because c- it's just complicates my what my answer was going to be until just now was like language you know books still set a tempo uh where i think visual art does not 
However, I think we live linguistically way more than we live... Or, I think just, like, our linguistic immersion is probably the most uh, constant stimuli in our lives and the most constant uh, sort of, like, medium that Shout we out Derrida. and kind of... Is that true? Is that Derrida? Well, kind of. So even if you don't have literacy, even if you are literally, you can't read, you can't, whatever, you haven't learned how to read, you're still speaking probably or engaging in interpreting other people's speech uh, or reading it, you know, uh, visually or, I don't, you know what I mean? Like something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I That's a very ham-fisted way of saying that, that that's my answer about what's unique about it, I suppose. Uh, and like I said before with Hrabal, or not Hrabal, with uh, Ugresic, um, if one has their literacy and can engage in literature, it, I, I personally find it to be the closest to the mind meld thing I was talking about. Because you don't have... Uh, you just have the language, which everyone can sort of develop, but is... Uh, evocative or is 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 the, the referent to a reference point which is provided by each person's subjective experiences and therefore like you know you can uh, uh you can bring something to, i don't know this is i'm in the weeds i'm in the weeds someone bail me out no 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 all right that next category that's good <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no no i mean i think that's right uh the mind meld thing i think is you know i i imagine that there would be you know, partisans of all the other art forms that would disagree with you. But I think that, you know, he's, it's a question asked of us, you know what I mean? I think it's a matter of degree. Yeah. I don't think visual art can do it. That's a spicy take probably for some visual art people. You have to talk about that in the art section of the discord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would love get to get in there. I would love to continue this question. I, I think, it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a fascinating question. Um, okay, next next category. The next award is for best cover. Best cover of a book that we read this year. Um, Paul sounds like he needs a minute. So I will go first. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my vote, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of the opposite of what Matt was saying earlier, where it's like, I don't really, I don't really notice covers as much unless they stick out as very bad, you know? So like I can talk about, okay, I love, I generally love the Penguin Classics design. I love the New York Review of Books designs. Yeah, title, square, cool picture in the background, whatever, love it. Um, But to think about one that really like stuck with me as like jiving with the book, for me, it's it was Hiroko Oyamata's The Factory, um, which is a very understated cover it's this weird kind of like sickly pink background with a green spine and the only image on the cover is this pink like trash can with smoke coming out of it yeah and good it it just fit the tone of the book like so on the note like so perfectly for me like the colors like work together, but are also kind of gross in this way. You can't quite put a finger on, which is kind of like the way the whole book is. 
It's these people who are just working at this factory like many people on Earth do, but it's weird and gross in this very specific way that's hard to to, to pin down. Um, a synthetic grossness. Yeah, of. yeah, exactly. It's, it's grosser than the sum of its parts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, yeah, so for that reason, for the simplicity and also the, the weird way that it echoed my my subjective feeling while reading the book it's it's a uh, Hiroko Oyamata's the factory um the edition we read was new directions published so shout outs uh mine was uh I can go or you can go my mine was the oxford edition of the great god pan and other stories it's it's like cloth bound. It's a yellow color, and uh, there's like these um, these horns that look a little bit also like tentacles on the cover, and then like moving down in sort of horizontal is like the Great God Pan. It's it's a it's a nice looking book. You know, it's not like my favorite book or anything like that. It's just like it's a very nice addition. Yeah. I actually don't know if I bought that one physically. I don't remember that cover at all. Just send me a pic of it. Okay. Want me to go? Yeah, it's your turn, man. Mine is uh, Irv Guber to the friend who did not save my life. I, I It's like a really simple black and white cover of just like a guy like writing which is kind of a trope, I guess, or just simple. But I don't know, like the physical copy I have of it, I I just really love the design of it. It's so simple, but like just works so well to me. It just, uh, it's stuck in my mind, I guess. So, yeah. You just like that photo? I don't even know. I just like the whole design just works so well for me. Uh, I, I guess my second pick would be uh, Dirty Snow, the New York book review edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's really fucking good. I mean, that, that photograph is, it looks like almost like a miniature. It's like an like an illustrative photograph, which I I don't like photography in general, but I like illustri- <laughs> illustrative <laughs> pho- photography. We don't have to get into what that means. Yeah, okay, that's but, a uh, spicy take. That yeah. cover is fucking cool. Paul, I'm yeah. sorry, what was your first choice? Full disclosure, listeners, I was peeing. Uh, mine was uh, Irv, Irv Guibert to the friend who did not save my life. Nice. Probably the most intriguing title, but also I just really, I don't know. I like that cover a lot. It's simple. But he likes photography. Just He's just How did we forget? Me. We should we got to have a best title and worst title category next year. Next year, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, next category. This is going to be a spicy one. Most disappointing book. Of the year, not mm. not necessarily worst, but most disappointing. I got you, Morrow. You want to go first? Universal Harvester. We didn't do an episode on that one though. Nice, but that's a good. Fuck! I thought I did fucking did it. I'm so confused as to what we even recorded, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Okay, well, I, you could. I'm, I'm gonna. We we could allow it. I'm curious why why that one was. Yeah, why I that was your first thought? It, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'll allow it. Damn, I didn't even register this. Okay, yeah, Universal Harvester by John Darnielle. Uh, 
because the man is this phenomenal lyricist. Uh, years and years and years of, uh, you know, just like era-defining music in my own life and, and all this kind of thing. Uh, finally doing what he, it seems he's even boasted, you know, he was kind of like destined to do. He's written two novels at this point, this being his first. No, I or think no, Wolf, Wolf and White Van, Van was the first. the first, yeah. Wolf and White Van? So Universal Harvester is the second. You think he would have even refined his craft. I haven't read Wolf and White Van. Uh, and then when we read it, it was like an absolute just beige, meh thing. Weird. Like, I didn't even know what the fuck book. was going on. You know, like, the, like even the sort of, like, Midwestern fucking liminal spaces, uh, nostalgia, no longer existing business model of a video rental store slash horror story thing. Nothing hit. Nothing. Like, I, I just, like, it was all so bland. Uh, and for how, and this is an interesting tie into like different artistic mediums, you know, like music being one that a lot of people say is, uh, is the more just immediately emotionally resonant thing. Uh, and then how, you know, you try and write a novel as being super proficient in another artistic medium and just not being able to evoke similar things or to do it as well. And yeah, it's just the whole thing I had a lot of like, uh, preconceived notions or expectations but whatever it still was it was therefore the most disappointing that i read it was a that was a that was a dud for sure yeah yeah i i yeah, i, I think dud. the the reason that it didn't and to be fair i have a few cheat answers coming up for ones from that we didn't actually record episodes of and or we haven't talked about but uh, yeah, I, I think the reason it didn't crack that discussion for me is that I, I didn't really, I kind of expected it to not translate from the lyricism to novel form, at least not Can as I, like, yeah, please. My my answer, had I actually registered that we hadn't done an episode, would have been the muse- or, or uh, the, the, the air-conditioned nightmare. Yeah. Mm, that would have been the one that I expected a lot Henry of. Miller. It was very, very bad, yeah. Yeah. That was a, ugh, yeah. Well, all right. Well, so uh, my disappointing uh, book of the year, and um, apologies to a friend of the show, Nate, uh, who I know is a big fan of this, who I know is a big fan of this person, was Don DeLillo's Cosmopolis. Um, Not... Not the worst book we read. That's a separate category. We'll talk about that later by any means. But in terms of the gap between what I expected from this person's reputation, DeLillo, obviously one of the most respected authors, um, certainly one of the most respected American authors of the last, I don't know, 70 years, 60 years. Um, Certainly in the kind of you know, postmodern era. Um, I really hated that book. I thought it was kind of poop. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can listen to the episode. I, I, I thought it was, 
and and you know I've I've subsequently tried to um, gather, and that was my first Delillo novel, and I should preface this all by saying that. Um, but I, I've tried to kind of ascertain how much of my dislike of that book was Delillo's uh, style versus that particular book. And um, I've essentially gotten nowhere in that in that <laughs> in that investigation. I don't I just don't know. Um, I, I just I just need to read more and I will because I I'm pre- I presume there's there's something there that's worth uh, uh, reading. I think I'm going to read um, White Noise um, in the new year. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, it just just it, if we're talking about disappointment, which to me sort of points to like uh, uh, the largest gap between what I was hoping for or expecting and what I got. It's it's Cosmopolis for me by by quite a bit. All right. Interesting. My pick is Cosmopolis by Don DeLillo as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that was my pick. And I, I expected a lot from it as well. I, uh, my, my Hirakami dum-dum fanboy nature, you know, I had heard through the grapevine or whatever saying that they fit into a similar category. So I was excited to hear or I read Don't another... I don't know why either, um, because yeah, the nothing really was similar to Mirakami at all, um, and maybe like like you said though, Gabe is like maybe that book was an outlier in terms of his his greater works, but uh, yeah, it was just like it was a poo poo book for sure. It was <laughs> it was an it was annoying to read. It was there was a lot of boomer language in there, even for the time. I was just like really let down by it. I know we memed um, on it in the episode, but like the writing of the rap lyrics was just put it over the yeah, edge that for sticks me. Out. Like that just put it. I, I was like, oh, I know, I know. It's a small, yeah. It's a very small chunk of the book, but like it was just emblematic of how it felt to me. It's like when Kendall mm-hmm. sings the rap song for his dad. Yes, yes. But but then without even don't, the don't. like layer of tragedy. But that oh. works. Yeah. No, you've seen that's part, you've seen you've that's seen in season, season 2. Okay, yeah, two. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the episode. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm just very afraid of spoilers. No, no, no. We won't spoil it. We'll never yeah. do that to you. Kendall dies. Just kidding, he doesn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that boy. <laughs> Yeah, when I was when I was watching uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, and when I was a teenager, <laughs> my friend, yeah, shout. He didn't even know what was going to happen, but he shouted out before the uh, the movie started. He just shouted out, "Gandalf dies," <laughs> and uh, he didn't even know that he died. And he turned to me afterwards, and he was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he does he does die." But I was a nerd, Wonder and I was he- like, "Listen." You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> I I, I remember back. when uh when the, the I know, dude. Where... Wait, Matt. I know exactly what you're going to talk about. I think is this about yeah, is this about our uh, Harry, Potter. Harry Potter downtown hometown release day? Yeah, I know who you're. Yep, yes. I was going to bring this up. Line line out the out the door for the new release of the Harry Potter book. I of Borders. I think one. it was the last one. It was chapter 11, no longer existent uh, business, Borders bookstore. Uh, and somebody was just like, Snape. 
Someone's just like, Snape dies. Snape. Snape is dead. And uh, <laughs> oh my I God. remember, I think someone was crying. When oh, they, they made people. Yeah, this this was a guy we knew from high school who just is just <laughs> was just like the worst type of like hybrid uh, elitist lit bro and like just mean spirited troll. Yeah. And I remember that night we were all downtown and he was just going around introducing himself to people. It was it was actually not Snape. They thought they were spoiling it, but they were wrong. They were they were telling oh. everyone that Ron dies. If I remember <laughs> correctly, which he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. So that's yeah. actually kind of funny now. Yeah, now it's yeah, cuz there was like cuz there was like a supposed leak of the end of the book before it came out. But it right. was false anyway. It was yeah, but he that person made people cry. Oh yeah, there were tears. In line at borders. Anyway. All right, next category. Uh, the next award is for the worst Spinecrackers episode of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of a little bit of a uh, self crit here. Uh, what what episode are you uh, least proud of that we've done so far, or do you think that we could have done a better job on, or or uh, something like that? I'll go first because the my answer is obvious. I think I know what Paul's going to yeah. say, but uh, my answer is our uh, yeah. our first. Uh, I think it works on on a certain level, but uh, just from my own personal embarrassment, it's uh, our Christmas episode from last year. Christmas, on, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, yes. the, the the Dickens novellas, the Chimes, and the Haunted Man, where I I uh, mm-hmm. just got a uh, uh, much too jolly, much too fast, and just unilaterally <laughs> ended the episode after about forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really funny if you want to laugh uh, have a good time yeah. thank, uh, thank you want to get to all yourself uh, yeah thank god it's still i believe our least listened to episode uh so i'm happy oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that but uh maybe this episode will change things because whew, that was rough yeah, just like chart his course. That's the fun part about <laughs> listening to it now. Yeah, yeah, not proud of that, that one. Go? Sure, it's it's uh, Ah Cheng, Ah Cheng. King oh, Trace. really? Because and you know why? Be, same reason as mm. Gabe. I got so drunk, uh, and I was drinking like just like kettle one on the rocks. <laughs> and I also just was so at least that's so, at, at least that's respectable. I was drinking Natty Light seltzers. <laughs> <laughs> that means you had like twelve of those motherfuckers. But I had I know I had like seventeen. Like, <laughs> what a what a fucking dead. drink. That's I, like being a like a country soy boy, Natty Light Seltzers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Soy in the in the bed of your truck. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I like it was already something that I felt ill-equipped to discuss. Um mm-hmm. and then the layer of just like yeah, being drunk and and I I as soon as you can feel the slur happen, you know, the slur <laughs> of your words, not the slur. Yeah, yeah. Not the Chinese, yeah. <laughs> not the, not oh the God, slur. Stop. I know it's slur you meant. <laughs> we all knew. 
<laughs> I didn't think about it at first. No one said it in that tone. <laughs> but no, I, I started to sort of slur my words and, and say, like, I, I just felt like I started, like, grasping around way more and, and, and audibly being mm. incapable of, like, organizing my thoughts to something that was already... Uh, beyond my 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 ken or like outside of my comfort zone so it, it, yeah that that one for sure and then and then we had some like academic listen to it also like later on and and from twitter gabe yeah gabe gave them like a little caveat about like <laughs> our state of mind but i was just like jesus christ some fucking scholar yeah. of like chinese history it, and literature well, no yeah literally a this? specialist yeah. in chinese literature no, no, no. Yeah, yeah so then there's like an there. added layer. Yeah, we really bungled. That's mine. Well, Matt, we would have had the same answer up up until the confidence man. Because, I mean, with, <laughs> without Chang, similar vibes f- with me, for sure. But I was also, I, I talked about it on the year, on the other like fun episode. But I was like not only drunk, but I had stayed up for like twenty four hours to try to research my sleep my sleep schedule. So I was just off the walls, <laughs> like screaming, and I had no idea what I was talking about, and tired and drunk. So, but the confidence man is my answer because I was just like, I was like, I felt like a fucking, I felt like Tom Hanks on the island out there, you know, just no, I like I was just no idea what was going on. Maybe you want to quit reading. Maybe you want to. You were never salty. Read a you were salty at the end of that episode. Not even a, not even a stop sign. Just want to never want to read another word again. But you so, didn't even yeah, say much. That was it. So I feel like doesn't that kind of mitigate it in a sense? Like just being quiet. Well, that was my strategy. I was just like, I'm. Just, if I don't say anything, I won't sound dumb. But I mean, the most embarrassing is is Ah Chang. So yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, different forms of regrettable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's yeah. move on to more positive, uh, more positive discussion here. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sound off in the sound off in the comments in the email. What's your least favorite episode? Um, yeah. Anyway, we are at we are on now to ba pa 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 stump the cracker round okay. three. Oh, uh, all right, so let's do some more trivia. Um, I'll go first this time. Y'all ready? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In Haruki Murakami's Killing Commendatore, what does the unnamed main character give to the faceless fairy man to pay for his crossing across the river in the underworld? Uh... Buzz. Okay, Paul. A little penguin, a little penguin doll. Ding, 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 ding. Holy yeah. shit! I, I did not expect anyone to get that. Damn. I thought that one was hard. Nice. It is a, <laughs> it is Marie's little penguin charm that he has. It's, yes, it's Paul's favorite mm. book. Whatever. Yeah, true, true. It's not. It's not a favorite book. Spoilers. <laughs> but I did read it twice. Yes, I read it twice. All right, Paul, with the point on the board. Okay. My, I think this is going to be an easy question. Um, but what book did we read that has the word has the word out in it? Like the title, or anywhere in the book? 
Yeah, this is a dumb question. I want to make another one. <laughs> Wait, let me ask a different question. I'm going to ask okay. a different question. Okay. How do you spell Laszlo Kres- Kresnikorkai? Kresno- Kres- <laughs> buzz, 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 buzz. Kresnikorkai. Buzz, buzz. Okay, spell I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try off the dome. L A S Z L O K R A Z N A H O R K H A I. Oh my god, so close. Fuck! You were two letters off. God damn it. Matt, do you want to give it a go? <laughs> uh. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know one of the letters that I missed, I think. Okay. Fuck, what is, like, what the fuck, man? Matt, you're cheating. Uh, Laszlo. Don't Google, you're good, we can see it in your glasses, bitch. Yeah, we can see it in the, the white screen. Your screen is changing colors. I don't know. I just think there's not a, a H at the at the end of Krasnohorkai. It's just AI. Just K H I. You are correct about that. Damn you it. You are correct about that. Gabe, you were very close. You spelled Laszlo right. It was K R A S Z. I knew that. I fucking missed it. O R K A I. Damn it. I wouldn't have gotten that. It's just like S. the S's are so fucked up. Oh uh, shit! All right, well that's nice the job. Play. What was what did you what did you mean about the first one though? What is yeah? Out? What, what was the answer to that? Okay, name uh, so, one so, book we read <laughs> has the word "out" in the title. In the title, what is it? Oh, in the well, title. okay. Well, now we can't because now we'll have time to think about it. You got to think of another question, but well, let's just do it. Do it right now, and I'll have two in a row, and then okay, fine, fine. Maybe fine. I'll think of another one. All right. uh... What? That has out? Maybe okay. This is is maybe it's just the letters. Bad question. Like the, like no. the word out the or word just out. the letters? No, the word out. Oh, buzz, 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 buzz. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a burnt it? out case by Graham Greene. Correct. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking that point. Correct. I'm taking that fucking point. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'll take that. I could not think of it. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. So that wasn't the, that wasn't a terrible question. No, no, right. that was not a bad question. I get it. All right, Matt. Mine. Yeah. Okay. What is the name Mine? of the secret society in John Crowley's? God damn uh, it! The great great work of time. <laughs> what? <laughs> no idea. Ugh. Um. To be honest, I wouldn't have been able to answer this if I didn't <laughs> look it up. I have no... Okay, okay I'm going to take a hint. Yeah, hint. It's a pun. A p- okay. On... What okay, gonna... uh, well, okay, that's 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 not a, that good of a hint. Why not? Uh, <laughs> um, the British Secret India Society. <laughs> uh, 
another hint, please. Um, fuck, I, it's hard to. Let me let me maybe I'll I'll, ref, I'll I'll think of a different one about this book. What is the name of like okay. the 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 leader of that organization? Oh, Buzz! I know that. I mean, I think I know. Uh, Gabriel. Casper Last. I mean his title. Oh fuck! I don't know. That's great though. I like that you know that, but it's his. Title. I don't know his title. I think the the point should go to Gabe because I honestly I like forgot this entire book honestly. Yeah. I don't even know if I read it. That's how it's, that's how gone it is from so my it's memory. The, it's the president pro tem. And the Otherhood. Oh, the Otherhood, like the Brotherhood. Is the name I remember the that group, now. The out of time Shit. Group. Yeah. I can remember character names, but fucking fuck. That was impressive. I would have even not even been able to say Casper last. So uh, it stuck with me for some reason. Do I get a point? Let's give Gabe a point, huh? Yeah, let's, let's give him. A point. Let's make this close. It's four to three to three now. Yeah, I like I'm that. more of like a. I, I remember faces pretty well, so not good for books. Doesn't memory. really, doesn't yeah. really work for, <laughs> for books. <laughs> All right. All right, that's uh, round three in the books. Uh, four to three to three. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, our second favorite book of the year. Number two in our top five lists. I haven't gone first in a while. I'll go first here. Mine is Herman Melville's The Confidence Man. Late entry... Late, late to the game, our most recent uh, episode, read. Um, the book blew me away uh, in so many different ways, uh, just historically, philosophically, literarily. Um, the way Melville weaves together this, you know, like situation of this character and or maybe multiple characters and these very, very thin, like you have to catch them in the right light <laughs> through lines of the yeah. of the plot. You know what I mean? It was so delicate and and subtle and it's funny and it's it's just a document of America at this very particular moment in time, but isn't obvious about being that thing and 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 even only functions that way partially in hindsight, based on some things that happened after it was published. Um, it was, uh, I, I'm still struggling with precisely what to make of it, but it was, um, it was brilliant and it was just one of the most enjoyable reading experiences that I've had um, on the show. So, uh, it, and it's, it's, it, it has spurred me to uh, read more Melville, I'm going to be reading Moby Dick next year uh, because of this book. So that's probably says a lot right there. My answer is the same. Nice. For yeah. Gabe, Gabe said. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mentioned on that episode that I had failed to finish Moby Dick a number of times. And, uh, that will be remedied as well, um, including the rest of Melville's works. He just feels like uh, 
yeah, it 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 was such a uh, yeah, mind blowing is the, I don't know, man. It was just fucking like incredible, like what what the person was able to perceive in in their culture at the time and uh fuck yeah i'm sorry i'm i, I don't know what to say it's just like it's, it's very mega random. it's just a mega book yeah read it i didn't read it <laughs> i didn't read that book <laughs> all right paul you're number two my number two is dirty snow by Simeon. nice right on I fucking love that book. Uh, it, it's one of those books that has stuck with me. Um, uh, Simonon in general is, you know, probably top three, top two favorite writers of mine. And I, I just really fucking love that book so much. It was, it was like a great wor- world war two novel. I think Gabe, you said it was the best, uh, world war two novel ever written, which I haven't read every, world I've war read II every novel, single so one. So how to answer <laughs> you've read every single one. So you can say that, <laughs> but I mean, it, it checked all the boxes for me in terms of what I enjoy in a, in a novel, you know, just like really intense psychoanalytic characterization from the main character. Just Simon has an, an amazing ability to like set a scene, but also be political. Um, and everything just feels so tense while being very, really enjoyable to read. It's like, unnerving but also enjoyable but you also walk around walk away with like a bad taste in your mouth from like every book that he he writes um you know it's like brooding uh which is you know something that i like as well regrettably (laughs) but yeah yeah i just i love that book a lot and i still think about it and fucking good book simon on rules Hell yeah. <laughs> Simonon does rule. rule. <laughs> Simonon rules. Simonon books rule. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to find a way to do the San Dimas high school football rules, but with Simonon, but it's just not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. All right. Um, we have a, a one more, uh, a lingering Q and a question. Uh, also from Michael on Instagram. What do we say to people who don't read fiction or think it isn't worth their time? Uh, I think this is an interesting question for all of us for different reasons. Because I we kind of, re- we kind I, of answered it on the last on the last uh, like free form episode. Right? Like why? Well, bit. yeah. Like why do we read fiction? Yeah, it's kind of a similar question, but well, I just think it's interesting because I know both of you have people in your lives that sort of consciously avoid fiction. Your dad's. Um, yeah. And so I wonder... My dad like, actually reads. My dad read fiction. Oh, I, well, I thought your dad mostly read, like, infection. like military history type stuff. I thought it was, well, like, classic been, dad. He switched over and... He, yes, he's read, like, 7,000-page books about war. You know, Civil War, <laughs> World War Two, World War One. But he's recently <laughs> switched over and read, like, all of the uh, Homer Hickam books... Which are you know like, never heard of it. Borderline nonfiction. Uh, it's like uh, what's that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal about the rockets? Uh, October Sky. You know what I'm talking about? October Sky. It's like a so yeah. it's like creative nonfiction. 
Um, so, but that's still, you know, it's not direct fiction, but okay. I understand what you're saying. Dad, he's a dad. Well, so what do you say? What do you guys say about that attitude? Because I mean, I'll just speak for myself a little bit while you think about it, because I didn't read fiction for years. A lot of it was kind of sort of circumstantial, like we've talked about. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not here to tell people what to do with their time. You know, uh, if you want to read military history, if that's your thing, if that's what uh, gets your your jollies off or whatever, you know, knock yourself so out. Your dick hard. Yeah. 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 Wet. Yes. Or whatever in between. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, knock yourself out. Um, I think I think for anyone that's concerned about. Lucky. I think for anyone that's concerned about the human condition, I'll just kind of appeal to what Matt said a little bit earlier in the sense that like, if you're, if you want to feel, you know, related to other people that have different life experiences than you, uh, and, and, and hopefully through that process, gain a better understanding of the human condition overall, um, fiction is, is a great and arguably the best way to do that. You know, if you don't give a shit about that, there's not really much I can say to you. So, yeah, yeah, pleb. I think, I think, um, I think that uh, writing and books are kind of the best medium, personally, to impart what like subjective experience almost in some way and if if you're if you're a nonfiction, if you're not a reader at all first of all you know like you're just missing out in an, an entire medium which i find to be the most enmeshed in one of the oldest and one of the most enmeshed in like human tradition and thought and like knowledge and uh attempts to communicate our feelings to each other and tell stories about each other to each other, like, you know, uh, which is a, a rich vein. And then if you're a reader, but you just read nonfiction because you think that you're, you're just trying to get information. Like you're just one of these people who thinks that like read history, read popular science or trade magazines or, or, you know, you're just trying to like get factual shit into your brain because it's has a high utility for you in your life or something uh that that's a minimized conception of what it means or, or what it means to learn like what knowledge is and uh there are things that are not uh in the realm of just relayed factual quote unquote information you're just missing you're missing a very rich uh, experience for yourself. One one that could be one yeah. that is, I don't know. Yeah, educational on levels that that may not just like exist in your con- current conception of of learning, and definitely like yeah. The pr- when you say dads, I just think usefulness or utility, you right? Know, like like you were saying, I don't read anything when you were sixteen. I don't read anything that couldn't happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yep. Paul, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a uh, reading is like a, a worthwhile muscle to engage with, I would say. I, I think that there's other avenues of fiction 
like I think that you can engage with great ideas through film. There's a lot of amazing films out there. So like, it, I mean, it comes down to a lot of individuals, personal use of time. I would say too, like how much time do you want to spend engaging with something? Maybe you don't have enough time. Um, but I, there, I mean, we talked, we talked about it on that other freeform episode, but there you can make time for reading. You can, you just maybe read a book at a slower pace but I think it's I think it is definitely worthwhile. Um, I think it's just like another avenue that you can engage with that's unique and uh, can can bring you something to your can bring something to your life that um, is worth engaging with. Especially, I mean, someone like me who I think I have ADHD. We've talked about this before, <laughs> but I think. It's it's worth like trying to maybe calm your brain a bit and do a a more ancient form of engaging with media, especially now uh, with this in this day and age of people just like constantly thinking that they don't have the 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 mind power to engage with something that's at a slower pace. But I think it's important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next category. Oh, can I just say? Just unequivocally, just make time. Just do it. Yeah, you I wouldn't can. even beat around. I wouldn't even beat around the bush. I'd just say like, if you don't or consider yourself someone who, uh, it's just not for them. I, I would actually just say you're wrong. That's pretty spicy. And, and make time. Whoa, spicy. Love that. Yeah. Okay, so the, uh, we're getting into some of the heavy hitter categories here as as we reach the end of the episode or the ceremony as we should call it. Yeah, it's a ceremony. Um, so the next category is best character. What character has stuck out to you the most from all of the books that we've read this year? Mm. I, it might still be dirty snow. Okay. Frank. I can't remember. Th- yeah. Does he have a full name, like Frank? Anything? Like I can't. Remember you know, exactly. I I, uh, I can't remember if he has a full name. Maybe it's just that classic, like anti. It's not even anti-hero though. But you are rooting for the guy. Right. Right. Like, he's he is a monstrous person, who has a minor sort of. Um, also, from monstrous circumstances, though, right? Yeah, that, and, and that's a, yeah. You're right. That's a key to why you would empathize with him to the degree that I I, I did anyway. Where it's right. like from monstrous surroundings and circumstances is born this monstrous human being, who is in some way, I guess, l- sort of like rationally or at least uh, coherently reacting to to the environment or whatever. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that like you recognize this person and as you're supposed to as monstrous as despicable as unethical and as like yeah sort of uh contempt worthy and at the same time he's in this even arguably worse environment uh and he has this kind of minor epiphany which most people would would have at a a much easier (laughs) in a much easier environment or like at a, at a nicer pace or something of just, I don't know, like Frank, Frank Friedmeier. What? 
Friedmeier. Yeah. Where he's kind of he goes through the gauntlet of this uh this interrogation and imprisonment and he kind of learns like what I could flippantly call is like be here now. <laughs> A kind of like existential <laughs> right. presence. Um but even that minor triumph, which in its own way is kind of banal, uh, feels significant in the context of the story and for this person. Uh, and I just appreciated being made uncomfortable in that way with this yeah. person. And and uh, I think that's one of those kind of magical moments of uh, of what writing can accomplish, where you're just like, God, this person is terrible, and but I'm so proud of him. For right. Me. <laughs> you know, ha- having a one human reaction the whole book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it feels monumental. Yeah, yes. I just, that that's so that's that's fun to go through. So for me, um, the best character, my, my favorite character, the one that like really stuck in my craw, is Umo from Joseph McElroy's Cannonball. Oh man, um, yeah. who is this? Just bizarre like kind of like like uh, otherworldly being who seemingly like shows up randomly at these like arguably fate appointed moments for the main character of the story um but his the way McElroy writes him is so strange and ethereal and and weird he's like this what is he like 14 or 13 or something but he drives around in this semi truck doing like deliveries as like a job that no one understands like why he's allowed to do this he's like otherworldly competent at like everything that he attempts yes he's 14 he's also 300 pounds right yeah but he's also this beautifully elegant diver yeah exactly right right yeah um so uh, umo as a character just really like stuck with me uh and you know he's not uh, certainly he's not uh we don't get as much of his internal life as we do uh, for someone like Frank from Dirty Snow or a lot of the other characters. But like right. he just was written so strangely to me that it was it was like, you know, just deeply memorable. Um, so, yeah, Umo was my favorite character of the year. Mine's I think you guys are going to be like you're going to SMH to my answer. <laughs> um mine's uh marco fog do you remember who even who that is uh i don't trivia question trivia fog yeah this is why it's a smh question i'm I'm asking my h what okay well i don't remember this person it's the main character in moon palace Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a Paul that's Oster. a throwback. Yes. Yeah, I just I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm I chose this character based on like who do I most relate to? That was my simpleton uh, response to this question. But you know, Marco's kind of like a tryhard individual who beats himself up, and I was like, I'm like that. Uh, I relate to this character. <laughs> you just a sit lot. alone in a room and starve yourself because um, your art's not good enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really like that initial, like maybe first four or five 
chapters of that book are just him just like beating himself up to the point of him just being like homeless by choice. Um, I don't know. I just I thought that uh, he, I sympathize with him a lot, like the overachiever, mm. uh, or like in in your head being an overachiever, but beating yourself up over it. And yeah, I just I had the most like empathy and sympathy for him. So he that character has stuck out in my head. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a throwback. That was like what our second episode or something, third. Yeah, uh, I don't know, something like that. Um, all right, Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. we are at round four. That was our fourth episode. Fourth episode. Okay. Fourth episode. Speaking of four, we are on round four of Stump the Cracker. All right. Let's. Uh, who's got one, Matt? I mean, uh, I already asked my five questions, so I'm gonna. No, you wait. I, you only did four. No, I asked. I asked the spelling of Lazlo Carson Horkai, and I asked the uh, what. I asked two last round. Yeah, I know, but that was only round three, so it was your third and fourth. You should have one more at least. But so. Oh save. yeah, you're right. Okay, all right. So I do. Save. Have, I do have one more. Okay, all right. So save it. So me and Matt will go. Okay, so um, this one's. No, I'll go. I'll I'll go still. I'll just think of another one. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> do it. Matt, what is it? Oh me. Oh. Uh, okay. So not my other secret one that I didn't know the answer to anyway. Uh. Well, here's this is just rent. Which uh which book did uh, Gabe give the lowest score to? Ooh, I think I know, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. <sighs> Buzz. Yeah. I think it was submission. It's not. Damn, fuck. I'm going to say it was Altered States. Ooh. No, sir. Nah, no, God. Like, no? Yeah, I know. Now I know what it was. It was It was one of two things. Then it has to be uh, Air Conditioned Nightmare. That's right. Yep. Uh, okay. Do I get a point for that? Yeah. Okay, I'm taking it. You got it right. Yes, I could have sworn I gave the lower. I gave a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think you might be right. Okay, you are right. All right. Here's my question. As I said, mine get progressively harder. In Helen Dewitt's The Last Samurai, Ludo, the son, uh, goes on a bit of a quest to kind of uh, uh, interrogate or find a better version of his real life father, who's disappointing. He engages with uh, four or five other people. Name two of the professions that his possible fathers had that he speaks to or seeks out. Buzz. All right, Paul. Buzz. No, me first. Oh, oh, you said, oh, no. Okay, I thought you were making this other song, Matt. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Well, that's because I have delay. I in my headphones I, I said it way before Matt. <laughs> I, I can't I, I have can't, a slight I, delay. Fine, I, go ahead. Fine. I can't Fuck that. cheater. Paul, go ahead. No. <laughs> yes. Paul, Paul, we insist. We insist, Paul. Go ahead. Do it. Okay, doctor. Okay. And architect. Okay, no and no. Neither neither is true. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I Matt. can name because he 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 interviewed multiple. Yep, I think there was five. So I only have to. 
I only but you only need two. to name two. Two of their wow. what they did for a living, or they might have been four. artist. Yep, one of them is a reclusive painter. Yes, that's one. Painter. Journalist. Yes, I'll t- I will accept journalist. Wow, I got fucking. Well, documentarian, whatever. On. Yeah, well, uh, it's tricky. Yes. Um, the other options were he interviews a, a Neil deGrasse Tyson type TV yeah. physicist. Yes. And then um, at the very end the of the book. The guy that hits him. Yeah, exactly. And at the very end of the book, he goes to a, a, a pianist. Oh, man. I forgot about the yeah. pianist. Yeah. All right. So Matt gets the point. All right. Congratulations. Uh, Paul, you said you had one? And then I do. Gonna, and then you're going to think of another? Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is the what is the highest rated book on Goodreads with ten thousand or more votes? <laughs> How dare you, Jesus! Oh, that's that's tough. Um, with if 10, you can 000- re- name one in the top in the top uh, th- uh, thirty, okay, I'll give you a the point. King James okay, Bible. Buzz, buzz. Um. I don't know how to go. Up. I don't know how to proceed because Gabe said buzz and Matt broke the rules by just saying an answer. <laughs> Let Gabe go. But I'm, I'm going right? to say that Matt, your answer is incorrect. Nice. Okay, good. It doesn't matter. Then. The top thirty. I don't know. I don't know if the Bible counts on Goodreads, so it's not there. But Gabe, go ahead. The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. No, but close. <laughs> buzz, bing, buzz, bing, buzz, buzz, buzz. Kind of close. Bing. Give it to Matt. Give it to Matt. Okay. The Diary of Anne Frank. No. Gabe was more in the right realm. Buzz, 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 buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the King. The Fellowship of the Ring. The Fellowship of the Ring. Bing, 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 bing. No, but close. Go ahead, Matt. The Hobbit! No. (laughs) I already already said The Hobbit. He already said The Hobbit. I thought you said a part of the trilogy. The Hobbit was Fuck. my first answer. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, I will say that The Return of the King is number three. <laughs> but, okay, you're close, but not. you're in the same ballpark, I will say. It's a clue. You're in the same ballpark. Okay, buzz, 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 buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, my God. So close. <laughs> buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So close. <laughs> I don't even know. The All right, name Matt, the, go. I don't even know the name. Think about anymore, it. The Harry Potter. Think Harry Potter and it. the Chamber of Secrets. Oh my God! So close. <laughs> Harry Potter and and, and the uh, Half Blood uh, Prince. <laughs> Oh my God! You're so close. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Goblet bing, of bing, Fire. Bing, bing. Oh my God! You're so close, dude. Matt, go ahead. Is there Harry Potter in the Order of the Phoenix? Is that even real? Yes, there is, but you're close. There's not an answer. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Bing, 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 bing. There it is. <laughs> Damn it. Oh my god. 
it. Oh, I can't believe it was the last one we guessed. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay, I'm taking it. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Why the fuck was it the Deathly Hallows? I know. What the hell is that? I don't know. Uh, okay. Sorry, Matt. We're tied five to five. All right, baby. And Paul's got three. Shit. All right. So the next. (laughs) Ooh. All right. So the next category uh, is the best quote or passage from a book from the last year. Uh, Our favorite kind of section or paragraph or quote from a book. Mine is lame, but I want to just say it. It's from Correction by Thomas Bernhard. And it just and it just goes uh, all the walls and finally the ceiling of Hiller's garret and the floor made of irregular, rather wide planks of large wood, their grain forming the strangest patterns that instantly brought to mind earth formations as seen from the air, surface formations in some non-European regions in Asia or South America. And I know that's not uh, a particularly beautiful Interesting passage, choice, yeah. But I just have to say from personal, this is a entirely, as we like to say, subjective... Uh, just brain blast uh, in my old office where I used to work um, on the elevator they had this faux marble um, flooring and it looked like you were um, floating miles above a mountain range and I used to every morning for years just think look down and imagine that I was just hovering <laughs> like miles in the air over a mountain range and when i read that little bit i just immediately identified like so hard with baron hard that's awesome I, that's awesome and i was, dude. Ju- I was just like i just read that and i was just like i do that all the time i did that for years <laughs> that's great i had no and idea so i just i just had such a personally you know unique experience with that like otherwise unremarkable passage i love that um my so, you know, personal experience matters go ahead ball it does no you can go ahead okay well so mine is from uh uh gene tumor's cane uh and it's it's almost a self-contained chapter i'm not gonna read the whole thing it's only a page it's only like two pages but i'm gonna read a, a big decent chunk of it um it's from the the chapter entitled robert um R-H-O-B-E-R-T. And there's... I'll just read it and I'll talk about why I love it. Robert wears a house like a monstrous diver's helmet on his head. His legs are banty-bowed and shaky because as a child he had rickets. He is way down. Rods of the house like antenna of a dead thing stuffed prop up in the air. He is way down. He is sinking. His house is a dead thing that weights him down. He is sinking as a diver would sink in mud should the water be drawn off. Life is as life is a murky, wiggling, microscopic water that compresses him, compresses his helmet and would crush it the minute he pulled his head out. He has to keep it in. Life is water that is being drawn off. Brother, life is water that is being drawn off. Brother, life is water that is being drawn off. The dead house is stuffed. The stuffing is alive. It is sinful to draw one's head out of live stuffing in a dead house. The propped-up antennae would cave in and the stuffing be strewn, shredded life pulp in the water. 
It is sinful to have one's head, one's own head crushed. Robert is an, is an upright man whose legs are banty-bowed and shaky because as a child he had rickets. The earth is round. Heaven is a sphere that surrounds it. Sink where you will. God is a red cross man with a dredge and a respiration pump who's waiting for you at the opposite <laughs> periphery. God built the house. He blew his breath into its stuffing. It is good to die obeying him who can do these things. God damn. I, I just, there's so many just like, like individual lines in there and, and, and Toomer's sort of background as a poet and in poetry it just comes through and the sort of rhythmic nature of it. And then just, just kind of topping it off with that, that line, God is a red cross man with a dredge and a respiration pump who's waiting for you at the opposite periphery. It was just like, <laughs> fuck, that, that just hit me like so hard. And, and I, it's something that I can reread over and over and over again. And, and I never get sick of that, that section. You know, you know what else, though, is uh, that I forgot I had thought about with that passage and some other stuff in that book is like mm. Tony Morrison. I, I read Beloved in college and for whatever reason, I just linked the two. The, the term thing saying a thing at the end. I don't know why, but like, I just remember saying mm. like a dead thing, a hot thing. Like, God who can do these things. Yeah. Like that, that was somehow, uh, some sort of word that was, uh, used pretty liberally in like these weird ways. Yeah. And, and, and this, this passage, just in terms of my own thinking about the rest of the book, it really kind of like flagged for me that Toomer, at least in this text, has this obsession with houses. And there's a lot of yeah. other weird passages where he talks about houses being like certain things. And he's talking about this guy wearing a house like a diver's helmet on his head. It's just it was mm-hmm. it's just so surreal and, and, and like pregnant for me. I loved it. Nice. Pregnant. I love that for you. I love I love that for myself. <laughs> Paul, Bob, Pablo, is this like? Do we have another section for like favorite chapter, or is this only passage? Eh, I mean, if it's a whole chapter, do we you have can, two. If you have a whole, no, we don't. If you have a whole chapter, you can mention it. Just don't read the okay. whole thing, please. Yeah, I can't read the whole thing, but I mean, my favorite chapter it it, it, it is in the book we read on the podcast, but it's from the Mountain Lion. It's chapter six mm. when uh, Ralph and Molly go in through the tunnel. And oh my god! The ending of that chapter I mean, is, any, still gives me goosebumps. I'll read. I'll read the last. I'll read the last passage of the chapter. Do it. But I mean that that whole chapter. I mean the whole book. We all gave it a five out of five. We should probably do like a recap episode of this book, maybe at some point. Yeah, I'd be. Dying. But that chapter in particular, like, it was just. It's a. It's the best chapter <laughs> I've ever read. It was just like the. the Basically, like the two, I don't want to explain the whole book, but I mean, there's there's basically a moment of coming of age in a brilliant coming of a coming of age story, and it's so poetic that they it's it's about a chapter of them going through a a train tunnel and coming out the other side, mm. but it's just like it's kind of a manic chapter, um, and there's like weird subliminal growth that the characters go through within the tunnel and they come out and they're different characters by the end. They don't even necessarily know why they're different, but like something has changed and it just relates to so much about anyone's own. And my personal experience of childhood and those moments of like coming out of your childhood and entering an adulthood and those moments, like I think everyone can kind of point to certain moments in their lives where they're like, suddenly felt 
the the change. Maybe there's like a few moments, but that is, has always been like so interesting to me. Just like suddenly, oh well, I feel different. And I I'm think no that, longer a child. I think that before you read it, I, I just think one of the things that Stafford captures so well in that book throughout the text, but particularly in this moment, is like as you already said, like that feeling of knowing how irreparably and 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 un you know you can't go back that things have changed from this moment but also not being able to put your finger on why you know what i mean yeah i feel like that she captures that so fucking well so i'll just read the last little bit of it um i mean the last sentence of the paragraph i'll just read actually uh, Ralph's childhood and his sisters expired at that moment of the train's entrance into the surcharge valley. It was a paradox, for now they, sh- they should be going into a tunnel with no end, now that they had heard the devil speak. I mean, so good. obviously you need to read the whole chapter. It's like the climax moment of just being like, fuck. It's almost like I relived that experience of coming into that moment in my childhood in that chapter. Yeah. So that's why it's resonated with me so much. Which I think yes. is mo- what Matt was talking about, like the mind meld moment. Yes. That book did it for me, but that chapter in particular was just like, fuck. It blew, it blew me away. That's a good one. My, my other cheat answer for patrons that I, I, I still think I like the tumor passage better, but my other cheat answer is I'm reading Infinite Jest right now. I'm doing vlogs over on the Patreon. Uh, go listen to those if you're interested. But um, the whole eschaton scene from Infinite Jest uh, is one of my favorites uh, of the year and that I've read in uh, many years in all of literature. So if you know, you know. I'm glad you wow. like that. That That is, I just, I, I mentioned this like before, but like that is, uh, that tends to be, from what I've heard, most people's like, what the fuck is this doing here moment? In the book, yeah. So I'm glad you because I liked it too, and I'm, I'm I was just like, yeah. Most people are so critical of that spot. They, they're, the they're those people are tripping. They're whack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next category. Uh, another positive one. Best episode. Best Spinecrackers episode of the year. What episode do you guys feel most proud of that we really did a fucking bang up job? Talk made some good points. Uh, enjoyed it. I'll go I'll go first. My answer is um a book that's already been mentioned, but I feel like we did a really fucking good job with um Air of We Bears to the Friend Who Did Not Save My Life. I feel like that was a really good episode. I yeah. feel like uh we treated a book that is um has a lot of really complicated and difficult themes, uh suicide, uh, AIDS, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, homophobia and all that stuff. I feel like we did a good job handling uh, that book in a way that it demands, um, both from a sort of like a thematic and a historical perspective. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of easily missed that I felt like we brought out for, for people who maybe wouldn't otherwise pick up on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that discussion, and I thought it, it was... Uh, uh, fruitful. I don't know. I have a hard time with this one. You know, I, I'm, I'm. Thankfully, there's not too many episodes where I'm not like proud that something got breached. But like back to back, like you know, or front to back, I guess. Like, 
Um, the Nathaniel Mackey one, I would say. Um, and mm. then uh, I, I just I, I felt like it was so palpable how much we liked it. And then um, probably ironically because of the you know our estimation of the book itself, but the Altered States episode with Dan. That was, a, was yeah. Fun. That was a really good episode. Yeah. Shout out so to Dan nine, from Viva La Dude podcast. Yeah, I thought that one was like maybe the most potentially entertaining one for people. Mm. I don't know. That's good. Paul, your winner. Hmm. Best episode of the year. I mean, it's hard. I th- I think I'm going to go with Dirty Snow actually. I think that looking back and thinking back, I think we did a good job of exploring like every avenue and every and just every thought we had, I think we explained it well and clear and explored maybe different themes than what avid or like common Simonon readers might have overlooked even. You know, I th- I feel like we sometimes For sure. I'm giving us some credit, but I think we we can do that with certain books. And I think maybe we did that well with that book. We do that with every goddamn book, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've got two categories left, and they're the big ones. The worst book right. of the year and the best book of the year. Uh, so the next category is the worst book of the year. Have we have we done? I thought we were going to do a top f- like a bottom five. We were going. I don't know. We I, I I didn't think we needed a whole bottom five. Just gonna do I still want. Can I do mine? Close to this, if you want. Because I do have a bottom five I wanted to do, and I was looking. I was looking at. It, I was like, we haven't done any of these. All right. We? All right. Well, Paul's going to do a whole five, and then me and Matt will just do our least favorite. Yeah. Okay. Want me to go? Pop off. My, my number five worst is is Ubik by Philip K. Dick. Number four is Last Samurai by Helen DeWitt. Ooh, that's spicy. <laughs> Three is Submission by Michael Huelbeck. Two is Luster by <laughs> Raven Lalani. <laughs> yeah. And one is Altered States. Ugh, Altered yeah. States. Worst book of the year for Altered me. Altered States was bad as a book. <laughs> good, good as an episode. Yeah, it was a bad book. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I thought I thought you, I thought we had an, uh, a bottom five originally in, in the email. We might have um, a miscommunication yeah. apparently. I'll I'll say mine. Uh, you know, it's, it's I guess it's been given away by one of the trivia questions. I thought when I did this that that I had given uh, submission a lower score, but for me the worst book of the year was The Air Conditioned Nightmare by Henry Miller. Uh, I, I I thought it was an absolute mess. I thought the 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 Miller's view of America was so impoverished and just cringe, and uh, you know, aloof in the worst possible way. Um, it, it, he didn't even, you know, it's like a travelogue with like no interest in understanding the land you're traveling through he begins with a a preconceived view and ends with precisely the same view um without really much happening in between other than him just whining 
except also some very harmful sort of romanticist stereotypes about the South thrown in there for good measure. I, I, it's one of the dumbest, worst portraits of America and American culture that I've ever encountered and that I could ever imagine. I thought it was hot garbage. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm kind of right I there could, with you. I could push you, back Gabe. on that a little bit. I wow. I don't think I feel I'm quitting as the podcast. no. Well, Paul, I think we agree that there are things to be critical of within the United States that he that have only gotten worse that he emphasized, you know. But like, I I just gotta agree with Gabe that like, in terms of just a, a what what the project set out to be, the tone of the book itself, like his in, entitlement to. Like, like it's almost like he's taking revenge on the fact that he didn't get like a a, a genius grant or some sort of. Uh, he included you know, a footnote about it where he was whining about it. All that shit, and then some really like a, like straight up appalling apology. Yeah, like just where he's just like, you know, uh, how mad can we be really about uh, genocide or slavery when it's yielded uh, these great beautiful structures and you know. It's just like there's so much in there that, like when you so, that is is straight up evil. That when you end, oh no, that, uh, beyond being just sort of uh, incurious and kind of uh, petulant, that uh, when he gets to the point where he's just like some artists aren't appreciated, and they and he has some good things to say about that, or he has to say some stuff about uh, America kind of being, you know haphazardly slapped together and uh homogenous and this boring aesthetically dead way and all this kind of stuff like he's not wrong but it's just so outweighed by by the worst that he's that he said in the book that it it's it's overshadowed uh, for me i think paul before you jump in and, and, yeah. and offer your defense i think that matt the, that that word you used incurious is so that to me that was it like he yeah. do, he just doesn't give a shit about what he's writing about he's just trying to find and emphasize the things that confirm his sort of worst presumptions and you know the other thing that I'll say just getting back to like you know when we talked about covers like the, the or like background experience that the thing influences after the fact it's like i've read Henry Miller has written some beautiful things about America as a place and and a, and as a as a culture and as a history later in his life. So I guess I guess his views changed or his sort of you know mentality changed. You know, Big Sur and the and the oranges of Hieronymus Bosch. I think is one of those beautiful portraits of a place in America yeah. ever written by anybody. Which is why I was so pissed off at this book because it was like it it, it did not feel like the same person to me at all. Hmm. So I, I don't really have a defense. I mean, I I didn't like the book either. The, the only reason it didn't make my top five was honestly I barely even thought of it as a fiction book. Like it was more like a, it was it's in not, more of the line of like yeah. a, it's like it's like creative nonfiction. It's it, and I think we talked about it on the episode. It's like it's it's not really a fiction book. So I I I, I kind of wrote it off uh, and I didn't like it. But I, that being said, I do sympathize a lot with. Like I, I fucking hate the American sprawl. To our Swedish and and Netherlands listeners, like I, I watch videos on YouTube about how well your cities are made with like 
really I watch like really boring videos about traffic and streets and shit. Like I I hate <laughs> the sprawl. I recently drove out to see Gabe and driving through these cities. I, I, I hate my country when it comes to like how it is presented and how it is set up and all that shit. But I mean, Henry, uh, the the book is it, it's not even a fiction book to me. It's just like a it's a rant. You know, I didn't even I didn't yeah, really even consider exactly. it a uh, a creative thing at all. It was just like a someone ranting to themselves. So, yeah, it was. I mean, maybe you could say that I hated it the most because it was so forgettable <laughs> that I, I like I haven't thought about the book at all. You know, well, you know, like like Luster Luster definitely like sucked in my opinion. Well, so what's your answer, Matt? You haven't given your answer yet. About what worst oh, book it was air conditioned worst book. Oh, okay, you agree. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was my. I was just trying to complicate it because it's boring to uh, keep agreeing. But like, and and that's of, and that's of what was an episode, you know. So like, you know, I would have just said, the Universal Harvester again, because my my great, and this is why we described like what is worse. Uh, what what merits a lower score, right? Something that personally is odious, border like evil outright to you, um, or something that is uh, is nothing, is just just a puff of dust in your face, yeah. <laughs> right? You forget right. Instantly, and it's like after you I personally. I personally give lower scores to the things that are are that forgettable puff of dust. Um, that merit almost no thought whatsoever unless forced, you know, versus something that evokes any sort of visceral reaction to you, whether it be positive or negative. So, like, mm. in that sense, I think something that's a good like way of Universal rating. Harvester is the worst book I've read um, because I literally, like, and, and except for this show, like, I don't want to ever think about it again. Yeah. And I'm mad yeah. at, at uh, you know, Henry Miller... And that's an emotion, and therefore it's just higher uh, yeah. than the worst book. I, I, yeah, I think we have a, I mean, a philosophical I te- disagreement there, but I'm probably we alone probably among the three of us. Maybe I mean because I I rate I mean I I, I voted Altered Sage as my worst because I thought it was like a crime against creative thinking. <laughs> I thought it was just so bad. It was it was like so bad you should have known it was that bad, and you should have never have presented it to the world. Like I felt that strongly about it i was but i i think back to like what are the middle of the road type books that i have forgotten about and i was just looking at the list and i was like well flea by aaron evandera another like very bad in the middle one. for me that was very close yeah. to my it was most really bad of the year too yeah 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 that was sure. that was my second pick but th- there's probably been a few books like that of just like middle of the road like but you i think universal harvester is a great example of like for me, middle of the road, because like I it's not like I don't think about that book. So maybe it's because I spent some time in the Midwest. But like there's there are certain aspects of that book that resonate with me. It just felt a little bit more like a first draft. Um, I didn't hate it. I was disappointed by it. But it didn't give me like a visceral visceral reaction of hatred the way that like. Altered States did. <laughs> yeah, I think I hate more something I, yeah. that like. I I think I hate more something that's like 
really right. bold and is out there and it's just wrong and bad. I'm just like, you're a fucking, are you a narcissist or an idiot? Like, <laughs> I hate that more than just like something that's just forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, the, I, the I, reason... I, I feel kind of bad saying that like, that like lusters, I, I don't know if luster should be number two for me, but I, that, that millennial like TikTok vibe I got from it just like amplified my, my hatred a lot. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> the yeah. hatred i can't discount my hate my hate the, uh, the the reason uh the reason uh, the reason i didn't the reason i kind of gave altered <laughs> states yes yeah, it's joker the reason i kind of gave <laughs> altered joker. states a pass is just because you know I, I i disagree with you in the sense that uh it, it was clear that that chayefsky had some good ideas but just was utterly incapable of expressing them in any kind of anything resembling an interesting way and, and because, he was forced to write a book. Exactly. Yep. That's why. It was his oh, only sorry. novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, that's it's, true. A, it's his only novel, and he was basically, through circumstance, forced to write it. If you want to hear that story, go listen to the episode. Um, yeah. All right. Before we get to the big one, the number one book of the hmm. year, we got a, we got one more round of Stump the Cracker. We got to settle right. the score oh here. God. I didn't think of a question. All right. Well, take your time here, Paul. Think of a question. Okay. <clears throat> Matt, you got one. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win by default gonna, because Paul's gonna. I'm sorry. All right, let, we'll, we'll, we'll pause. We'll pee. pause for three minutes. I have minutes. to go pee. Okay, we're back with round five, the final round, the Armageddon round of final round fight. Stump yeah. the cracker. <laughs> All right, uh, who, who wants to go first? Matt, you have you have a question and a bonus question, right? I have a bonus question. The reason it's a bonus question is because I don't know the answer to it because the book is elsewhere. <laughs> it's not here in my house to, for me to cross-reference. All right, let's it's do also the... not something that's easily looked up online. So. All right, let's do it. What's the bonus question? Let's start with Matt's bonus question first. My bonus question is, in I Serve the King of England, the, the meal served to the king of I forget which African country consists of what is each layer of the sort of oh man style thing that they eat that's deep that's a deep one i do not know which what, I do you think, think i'm fucking sherlock holmes and mind palace <laughs> i only know two it's like the cam the camel is the yeah there's main thing and then at the very end there's hard-boiled eggs yes i remember the eggs I couldn't say any more than that. And it makes all of the, uh, you know, jaded gourmands in the restaurant weep when they, when they, when they eat it. So I wish I had that one. Cause that that's a good, good question. All right. No points, no points awarded it. Cause Matt didn't even know the answer. So it doesn't count. Yeah. My boring question is, uh, for the correction again or correction. Okay. Oh crap. Uh, it's, it's which philosopher, is Thomas Bernhardt referencing in his main character? Buzz. Gabriel. Wittgenstein. Correct. Yeah. All right. Nice. All right. Gabe's ahead, actually. I am, by one. All right. Here's my question. In Roberto Bolaño's Nazi literature in the Americas, he talks about the careers of the two Shafino brothers, whose two great loves in life are soccer and literature. What soccer team are they fans of? Uh. 
Why would you ask me a sports question? Uh, it's a literature question. Somehow. Arsenal. Fucking Bo- no, not Arsenal. It's the Boca Boys. Chelsea. That they're not Chelsea. The Boca Boys. It's the Boca Boys that they're in. The fucking Brazil. You know what, Matt? I'm gonna take it. It's uh, it's a it's a real team, the soccer team. It's one of the most famous uh, uh, uh soccer teams in Latin America or South America. Yeah, Boca Juniors. The Boca Juniors. Boca okay. Juniors. I'm gonna give it to you. Six uh, points for Matt. Tied. All right, Paul. What's your question? This is a tiebreaker. My question is: Who kills uh, Gatsby? Buzz. Oh, fuck. All right, go, Matt. Go ahead. I just did it to make a noise. Uh, <laughs> it's Myrtle's husband. I don't, fuck, I don't know what his name is. John. Uh, Come on. Buzz, 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 buzz. All right. Go ahead. Dave. George Wilson. Oh, my God. That's correct. <laughs> Let's go. How do you remember that shit? Well, because Myrtle. Any uh, name. Yeah, Myrtle. I said I'm good at names. Uh, fuck. This is why I need to. I need to. I need to have like a face podcast. <laughs> what <laughs> face podcast? So I can answer trivia, trivia questions about faces because I, I can't remember any name by anybody. How do you do yeah. that? Yeah, look, Jesus. I didn't know it either. I, I like. I knew I was in the ballpark, but fuck. You were right. It is Myrtle's husband. I know. Okay, so the so uh, the reigning champion of Stump the Crackers is me. By, by I'm, never, one. I'm, I'm never going to win that. Hey, maybe in, maybe when maybe once we have a bunch of Patreon money, we can incorporate visual questions. Yeah, that like uh, take the take the title off a book and show the cover and ask what book it is or something like that. Yeah, first yeah. line, first yeah. line. What book is it? Yes, you know, that's a good one stuff. too. That one's fun. All right, well, we're here. We're at the end of the show. The big award. The number one book of the year. Folks, you've been waiting with bated breath. Yeah. A term yes. I hate. But not first. But true. Fine, I'll go first. Everyone knows my number one. Uh, it's the only book that I've publicly given a five out of five to. Uh, it's Percival Everett by Virgil Russell by Percival Everett. Uh, I I can't say enough about the book. I you know, go listen to the episode. I I found it to be the by far the most philosophically sophisticated text written as fiction that I've probably ever read, you know, possibly accepting, uh, you know, Plato's dialogues or something like that. It's, it's, it, there's so many, uh, uh, philosophical themes at play, so many deep cuts for people who have academic training in philosophy that are sort of Easter eggs for people who are looking for that, those sorts of things. But it's also so human. It's a story about a, a son and his dying father. And it sort of like fades into this weird multimedia thing by the end of it where there's pictures and and it doesn't feel overdone. I'm very like skeptical of like I open a book and I see like photos and drawings and stuff. And I'm like, OK, I, I, I don't it's a red flag for me generally. But it was right. done so organically and, and it was set up in the story earlier on in the book in a way that made so much sense. And I thought the ending uh, was just beautiful and sad. It had me actually in tears. This, the final line, which I won't read here, go listen to the episode. 
I, I, I love that book. It, it hit me at a precise moment in my life in a way that, that, that just can't be replicated and can't be reverse engineered. Um, for me, that was the best book of the year. Damn. I knew it. Dibs on second. All right. Um, actually, can I guess Matt? Cause I have no idea. Yeah. Gabe, do you want to guess? I really, I literally have no, I idea don't know either actually. Yeah. I don't even want to guess cause I have no idea. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, if I were able to choose non, it would be Matt, the mountain lion, but it's not, it's Nathaniel Mackey. It's base cathedral. Oh shit. That's a damn awesome nice. That's I thought awesome. about this for a while. Like, like, and I'm gonna disappoint now in my <laughs> attempt to explain why. I like maybe in sim- in some ways, like Gabe, like the way Percival Everett by Virgil Russell kind of ticked these boxes. I think some of the things I'm looking for uh, more precisely when I read were there. Like I. I I appreciate. I loved that book that Gay mentioned, and I appreciate the quote unquote Easter eggs and like uh, the things that uh, are elusive and referential and also human. And you know, but like Mackie was doing something more stylistic, I would say. Um, and uh, for sure, like you, you were talking about the vocabulary of that book and whatnot. And like personally, that to me is one of the most subtle of pleasures is uh <laughs> is having to kind of like look up words and and uh and have to d- reference just a dictionary i like that process a lot and uh it's one of the things i got into reading because i enjoyed at an early age and just all the weird ways in which mackie uses it uh to create effects that i i almost imagine cisco into the divinity student was going for oh that's an interesting connection on a certain level in terms of like uh disorienting you and making you create these way more organic kind of uh multi-layered kind of references uh over time and 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 it is multimedia there is a drawing in there and there is uh and then just like the added bonus of it being this kind of like modular component to a larger life's work um and its uh indebtedness to jazz as a musical art form and stuff like that it was just like i don't know there was so much about that book that just really like it first of all it took me by surprise and then like the prose was difficult but in a way that was rewarding and uh that episode i found to be so fun to do because it just felt like it energized all of us in a really like unifying way and uh yeah i it's it's base cathedral hell yeah dude that's sick i'm very pro that answer (laughs) very pro yes do you guys want to guess what my top one is no hit it just open the envelope open the envelope i thought thought you guys would know like would want to guess open the envelope read the winner killing okay that's what I thought it would be from your answers, but it's actually the mezzanine by Nicholas Baker. Ooh. Hell yeah, bro! It, that's fascinating. That yeah, I left Killing Commentary off my top five. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I fucking love that book. I mean, 
I just thought it was fucking genius. I don't know. It was like so fascinating. It it hit me. It just like floored me. Really, just like it. It was so funny and so clever, but also just like there there was so much so much depth to it in terms of like the nostalgia factor and just like it was very human. Um, yeah, it just like it it, it absolutely just killed me. I don't know. It it was. It it was a hard thing to like try to, to to try to like get my top five in order, but like that one just inched it out, and uh, I feel like you like yeah. the banal too. That like yes, somehow speaks well, to something larger somehow to you. Where it's just like mean? all these little like 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 the way the main character is like, he's just kind of in a mall type office park building, nondescript. He's buying like various consumer goods that he he names by brand and like he's just going up an elevator escalator or whatever and it's just like i don't know i it makes sense yeah is all i'm trying to say yeah yeah i think i do like the banal i like like i like dead malls i like you know the passive yeah experience of life i would say so baker was just he was so able to like explore the beauty of the passive the passive existence of being a person i would say but also there's so much depth to that as well and like just thinking back to like we talked about in the podcast but like the moment where he was talking about someone flicking a cigarette out on the highway and there was like a there was some there was like three or four pages or maybe a whole yeah. chapter I can't remember <laughs> of just like that experience of seeing that happen, and that in particular connected with me so so much because I was just like that I don't know it just like it relates to memory and experience and and I guess nostalgia too which I'm I've always been fascinated with I don't know why but like. Because you're, you're not a nihilist, even though you claim you are. Mm. And also, I, I would, I would, there. I, I would also say that this pick dispels the myth that Paul just wants a straightforward story. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that that book is not that. It's a weird formal experiment. Yeah. Yeah. With time. Well, there's like no story to it, really. It's like, what is it? A guy? Not really his shoelaces break on the escalator and he tries to figure out, but like, they don't why. even break. It's, it's, it's the whole story takes place on the escalator. It, everything else is memory. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, the whole book takes place. Is it just the escalator? Yeah. Cause yeah. even, even the shoelace story is him remembering his shoelaces breaking earlier when he's already on okay. the escalator. Yep. It's an escalator ride. It's worth of story. Yeah. I forgot about that. But I, yeah, I don't know. It was just like it was so creative too. Just like, how can you take, how can you write an entire novel with with just that plot point, right? You know. <laughs> and yeah, I, I I can't discount how funny I thought it was too. Like I, I think I I I need some humor in there too. Like I served the, the King of England was fun. Like I I need some humor in there. I think I'm to, with you to, with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. If 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 we had a, a a section for the funniest passage from a book, the section where Baker's talking about how white people always just when they bump into each other, they just go hop 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 yeah hop, hop. 
I think about that all the time. <laughs> I think about that all literally, the fucking time, dude. It literally just had me like peeing my pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and the passage of him talking about like, like uh, uh, paper towels in bathrooms as opposed to like the air dryers. I haven't, I haven't not thought about that once since I've been in the bathroom. Yes, in, like, in the public place. Every single Barry time, Seinfeld's like, got nothing on him. True on Baker, for right? observational Absolutely. humor, no chance. Yeah. Absolutely zero. Awesome. All right. Well, um, that's it. That's the end of the ceremony. Uh, Yay. We've got uh, crack or fever. I hope you got it too. <laughs> this sounds so bad. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we may change the name when we post the episode, but that's where that's yeah. where we're at now. Um, anyway, I don't know. Uh, for me, I just this has been a great year. We uh, ended it with uh, actually the best week ever for the show. Most uh, podcast plays ever in a week. Um, so uh, thank you to everyone who's ever listened to any episode, any of the YouTube videos, liked an Instagram post. It uh, it means everything to us. I don't know, and and yeah, yeah. And we've got we've got um, we've got ideas for improvements, streamlining, restructuring, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna try and big stuff in the works. Yes. Mm-hmm. Experiment with the format. Experiment with all with all that coming up. Uh, try and somehow make this better, even though it's the best, and we all know that. That's right. And send nudes to spinecrackerspod at gmail dot com. <laughs> yes, of any kind. Yeah, it would be wonderful. Yeah, uh, not uh, high res JPEGs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, any other? <laughs> not of any kind. There's legal restrictions on that kind of thing. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> well, if you bring it up, then it puts the idea in the... Why'd you bring... Well, yeah. I just... Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Of most kinds. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And... Uh, Everyone have a happy holiday. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you, Sweden. And thank Finland you. And- thank you, Sweden. Thank you, Argentina. Thank you, Spain. Thank you, Netherlands. Thank you, uh, Finland. Yes. And and North America. Yeah. And, you guys are and, fine. Well, you know. <laughs> OK. <laughs> In Australia. We got to get our percentages up with these with that crowd. Mm, OK. Anyway, uh, happy new year, everybody. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Read more books. <laughs>